What are you doing? Mia, put the gun down. Put the gun down, please. Mia! Put the fucking gun down! You are all going to die tonight. Herself against something. This is impossible. I just gave her enough time to put a horse to sleep. You cannot give her another shot. I can put her into a coma. For Christ's sake, Olivia, she's gonna kill herself down there. Go get the shot. It doesn't matter where we go if we don't do something right now. We're all gonna be dead by then! It's me. Um, it's uh, oh, I go by many names. So, for those who I don't know haven't, you know, heard in past episodes gone by, uh, I started out as uh, Unk because my Facebook name got stuck that way many, many moons ago. Um, but I, I've been also been known to go by Half Sack, uh, Bow Ball. Used to be Bow Balls, but now it's just Bow Ball um, because I have one testicle. So a lot of my nicknames revolve around having only one ball. <laughs> or uh, Uniballer, or uh, Single Sack, or there's many others. Many, many others. And... Um, but, but lately it's been Bow Ball Baggins, one ball to rule them all, and uh, I'm here. I'm back with you again. How are you all doing? Um, so, where to fucking begin? Holy shit, you guys. Fuck. Uh, there's a lot of things I need to update you all on. Before we get into part two of this two-part episode, part one was last Friday, um, and I just had to split it up in two parts because it was one of the longest fucking recordings I've ever done. Um, (laughs) 
with uh, Nico from Thoughts of a Relapsing Drug Addict. Um, so where do, we, where do I begin? Well, first off, my apologies that this episode didn't get dropped on its usual Friday uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> there's a, a whole reasoning behind that. Uh, one is I had to edit the fuck out of this one. Um, you know, when I did this interview or whatever, the, you know, this recording with, uh, Nico on his guest, he was, he was <laughs> doing it, uh, via, it was either Skype or discord, uh, through his phone. And, uh, Nico was on the job at, uh, doing his security job while he was doing this. So, you know, I had to edit out a lot of times where you would hear his like radio, his like little shoulder radio going off or, you know, when he'd be in the break room, like getting snacks <laughs> and shit like that. Cause I'm sure you did, you know, you didn't need to hear that background noise. And, uh, and there was a few parts I had to censor out just, I mean, for the fuck of it. Um, uh, oh yeah, there's one other thing I wanted to, um, just throw out there. Uh, I don't, how do I fucking even go about talking about this? Okay, so there was a point in our discussions with one another where we talk about jail and jail politics and what that entails, right? So, you know, um... For those that don't know, jails and prison have these things called politics, which are basically like this inmate code that's been in place for, like, I don't know, as long as jail's been a thing. And part of uh, jail and prison politics is uh, race segregation. So, you know, when I went into jail for the first time, not just the holding sale, whole holding cell and getting bailed out by actually doing heavy time and like in these pods, uh, as they're called, um, I was kind of thrown in the way that things are done in there. And, you know, regardless of my, uh, morals and values and, uh, my beliefs, I had really no choice but to abide by these politics or else I was going to get, you know, boobopped or smashed the fuck out or beat up or whatever fucking way you want to discuss it. So race segregation is basically like you are grouped in a pod with, with your race. That's who you roll with and that's who you associate with. And, and you, I mean, there's, there's intermingling, you know, to a certain extent with, with, uh, people of different race, but for the most part, you, you are grouped in with races and they're segregated. There's like, like the spider tables where people play cards. Like I wasn't even allowed to walk to in certain areas past certain tables that were designated to other races. So, you know, when we were getting into this, uh, discussion on this certain topic, you know, um, I guess it could be kind of misleading where you're like, okay, these are the whites, these are the blacks, these are the Southsiders, these are the, you know, like, and so when someone, I, I, I know like some people haven't been to jail, so if you, if you heard like me saying, oh, 
the blacks, the whites, like, that could sound, um, I don't know the fucking word, that could sound, like, discriminatory, if that's even a word, like, discriminating, basically, um, if you're on the outs and never been to jail, so I just needed to clarify that, because I almost was like, oh, should I censor that out, because that sounds to, like, a, like, a normie, it'd sound like, oh, you know, like, Ooh, racism alert, you know, trigger warning. But it's like, really, that's a jail term. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, I don't, I'm not for discrimination of any, any kind of group of people, no matter race, sex, sexual orientation. It's like, you be, you know, let your freak flag fly and be who you want to be. I, I, I mean, I have no judgments against anybody um, unless you're like actually harming another individual. So I guess I just wanted to throw that out there as like when when we're talking about jail in those terms, it's like, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know, it's so hard to like try and be as politically correct as possible, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I don't discriminate, I was just describing what it's like in jail, and don't get me wrong, there's some, there were some crazy like skinheads in there that were totally racist, but that's just not me, it's just not who I am, I love I love all of our brethren and sestren out there in the squad, you know, and um, so uh, uh, I just wanted to say that. Uh, what the fuck else did I want to say? Um, <laughs> I don't know, you guys. I'm back on a, another weekend pass, so when I did the intro for last week's part one episode... I, the recording, like the actual recording with Nico, that was done months and months and months ago before I went to rehab. And then the, the intro where I, you know, describe the content and segue into it, that was done over Labor Day weekend. And then I realized by the time I had gotten around to mixing and mastering it and uploading the fucking episode, it was like the day, I don't know, after Halloween. So I mentioned somewhere like, oh yeah, Labor Day weekend. <laughs> well... That's because that was at the time I was. That's when I had recorded it, so it just I know it can be kind of weird. You're like, oh, he's talking about Labor Day weekend. It's the day after fucking Halloween. What the fuck? And I should, and you know, it would be nice to be able to do a Halloween episode or a Thanksgiving episode and release it on the day of said holiday. I just am not. Um, I'm not allocated those uh, kind of uh, you know freedoms right now, being in rehab. So. Uh, I wanted to do some kind of weird Halloween episode, but that's just, I mean, I have a slew of old recordings and, and whenever I'm able to get around to them, that's when I upload them. So, you know, that's just how it's been. Uh, Halloween for me, what was Halloween like for me? Well, it was pretty uneventful, um, because I am at not just any rehab, it's a Christian-based rehab, <laughs> which is totally fucking bizarre to me, because, you know, before going to this rehab, I had never been to church a day in my entire fucking life, so talking about God, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and the Trinity, and, and, and all the, the Bible, like, it's just completely foreign and alien to me. Uh, and not only is, is it Christian based, is it Christian based rehab, but they don't advocate or they don't promote 
the celebration of Halloween even. <laughs> because apparently that is a, a pagan holiday. So we weren't allowed to carve pumpkins. <laughs> and we weren't allowed to do any of that shit. Uh, I, I did rent a bunch of incredibly scary movies. And I made people watch them that were quite disturbing. Uh, but I, I mean, I didn't really go out. I think I went to a meeting and got my six month chip. So, you know, applause for my applause for my six month chip. Uh, you know, one of my, <laughs> you know, what's funny though, is, uh, I didn't, I wanted to get a, I wanted to get a costume. I was going to be a fucking, I was going to be a power ranger for this Halloween, but at the, the little Halloween costume store that they opened up in downtown fucking green or white power rangers costume was like 60 fucking dollars with like the helmet and i was like oh fuck that i'm not wasting 60 dollars on a fucking costume i'm gonna wear one day out of the year no i mean i would get my money's worth and wear that power ranger costume as much as possible and get my bang for my buck but i was like no i got better fucking shit to buy with that money but i did find a good costume that my uh friend in rehab wore when uh, going through the donations. So for those that don't know, <laughs> you get something called, you know, most rehabs, pretty much all of them get something called donos, which is short for donations, which is usually clothes donated. So if you don't have clothes, you can be like, oh, free clothes to wear. So I'm not wearing the same underwear seven days in a row. Uh, and when I was going through donations, I happened to find, well, a bunch of women's clothing, like uh, nightgowns and, but, and panties, which was like, okay, well, this is a stag men's rehab. I, I don't know why we're getting women clothing donations, but one of the items of clothing was a cheerleader outfit with a short skirt and everything. And I was like, Ooh, I'm taking this. Uh, not because I like to dress in drag. I mean, I mean, I don't mind it, I guess. I just don't really do it, <laughs> but I was like, okay, this cheerleader outfit's perfect because when someone loses a game of cards or uh, if they bet on which team football team's going to win this season, and if they lose, we're going to make the bet. The loser has to wear the cheerleader outfit when we're serving uh, food to the homeless. And I was like, oh, that's fucking brilliant. So, you know, we had a bunch of people walking around wearing this thing, and my good friend wore it out and walked up and down State Street in downtown Santa Barbara dressed like a cheerleader with the wig and everything. It was it was beautiful. Um, so, but yeah, I, I was kind of blown away. We're, we're not allowed to fucking celebrate Halloween. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, ugh. It's like, what? A pagan holiday. Ooh, so scary. You know, and I know, uh, or I don't know, but, I, you know, in... It, it like my insecurities lead me to think like oh like people think oh fuck it Bobal over here is in a Christian based rehab he probably is like converted and he's just like a reborn Christian and, and like he probably listen you know he probably he's probably like this. Jesus is a friend of mine. But, I mean, I, 
and I don't have an answer for that. Like, uh, there's aspects of Christianity that I, I can get on board with, and there's, you know, but it's like, you know, part of the recovery process, whether you're you know, a Christian or not, and part of the 12 steps is like, admitting uh, that there's a power greater than yourself and your higher power could be anything you want it to be. So it's like, I've always been an agnostic. I've never been atheist, but it's like, I don't put a fucking name and a face to that, whatever the fuck my spirituality is. Like, that's that's for me to decide and I don't fucking self-righteously, like, you know, shove it down anyone's throat. Uh, But, like, yeah, I guess... I mean, if someone were to put me on the spot, I guess I do believe in a power greater than myself, but maybe that's the universe. Maybe that's fucking... Who the fuck knows? I, I'm not going to say I know for sure that's what it is, but that's my spirituality. That's like... I don't fucking know, but um, yeah, I'm in a Christian-based rehab. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, anyway, um, so that's been happening. What else is going on? Well... Uh, one other thing, um, I have been getting a bunch of emails um, from you, the fans, and that's awesome. I've been getting actually like a huge influx of emails from people um, giving me feedback, and that is fucking awesome. Thank you, everyone who sent me an email. Uh, I really fucking appreciate that. And uh, what I need to do is start reading these emails, um, on the podcast. So, you know, um, most people I, uh, have gotten an email from, I've said, Hey, I want to read this on the, on the fucking show. And, um, for the most part, um, people have been like, yeah, that's cool. So I'm going to start doing that. Uh, and again, it's not easy to, um, really do for many reasons. One main one is being in rehab and I'm not allowed to phone and this and that. And, um, but I'm going to start doing that. Um, and maybe I'll do that on this fucking episode. Uh, but I've also been getting emails from like, uh, I don't know what the fuck would you call it? Content creators or, um, people that have been, who've written books uh, filmmakers, it it really blows my fucking mind that, you know, um, people are taking notice of this, this silly project of, that we do here, um, so, um, you know, we had Mike Collins, um, who had that, uh, book on sugar addiction come on, he was one of the first people, um, uh, to email us saying, hey, I want to come on, we, uh, got a, email from uh, a producer of an award-winning documentary called From Shock to Awe. Uh, They were expressing interest in coming on. They did a a documentary about um, war veterans who suffer from PTSD, who are being, who were treated with, um, with psychedelics, um, you know, basically, uh, ayahuasca and stuff to treat their, uh, depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. And, uh, I would love to have them on. They sent me, um, an email with a full link to the documentary and it's fucking awesome. They actually haven't gotten back to me yet. So I don't know 
if I can, if they're still able to come on. And then we also had um, uh, someone. Oh, who else we have on? Or we had uh, someone who represented PR for Dr. Uh, Callie Estes. Uh, her and her husband Tim wrote a book called "I Married a Junkie," and I think we'll be doing um, an episode with them this coming Thanksgiving. Uh, week um, you know th- uh, that sounds super interesting so uh, it's just been really hard to um, set up time slots to have like professional um, people on um, because it's like the only times I can schedule that is when I go on a weekend pass and go up here to my studio uh, but you know I know once I graduate and all that it will have more cool stuff like that available. And, you know, some people may like that. Some people just want to hear me and my friends talk about crazy drug shit. And that's cool, too. Um, but, yeah. So, I mean, I think this is fucking cool. Like, I never really thought when we first did this this podcast that it would have evolved into what it has. But, hey, awesome. Um, one last thing. Uh... <laughs> uh you know, for those that don't know, um, the first, I mean, obviously I'm in rehab, but it's a 12 month program, uh, divided into four phases. Phase one and phase two were 90 days. I'm in phase three right now and that's 75 days. And then once, you know, I've been in phase three for about two weeks. So in about 60 days, I will get into phase four and phase four is a little different because they treat phase four almost like it's a sober living. So once I get into phase four, I'll be allowed to have my car, my phone, I'll be allowed to work and go to school. And then the, like the normal program, like groups and rehab, you know, relapse prevention and like all the stuff we do there when we're not allowed to have a job, I won't have to do. I'll just be working, going to school, um, going to meetings, obviously, but, um, It'll be like a sober living. So in another 60 days, I'll be allowed a phone. But even though I wasn't allowed a phone, I snuck one in anyway, you know, back in phase one and got caught with it. And (laughs) so uh, I couldn't have a phone. I didn't want to get caught with a phone again. But just because I didn't have a phone didn't mean other people were getting away with having a phone. So basically... You know, I'm in rehab and all these people have phones and I'm just sitting there like kicking myself because I'm the dumbass who got caught with it. And um, yesterday, well, you know, on last Thursday, the shit hit the fan and they did a crazy ass crackdown in rehab and a bunch of people got caught with their phones. A bunch. It, It was like they were almost like going easy on us to see what we were going to try and get away with. And then they just fucking cracked the whip and they, they came down hard on us the other day. You know, several people got write-ups for various reasons. Three people got caught with their phone all at once. And then another person got caught with their phone a few, you know, like a week before that. And so, you know, my, my, my bunkie David got caught with his phone and he ended up, ended up getting kicked out the other day. So that's a, that sucks. I love David. If you're listening, David, fucking wherever you are, I love you, brother. But my good friend Zach got caught with his phone as well. 
And, you know, when they find your phone, they basically make you unlock it and they go through all your messages to see what the fuck you've been doing on it. And lo and behold, I was logged into Facebook Messenger on his phone. So they went through my messages and saw me, you know, fraternizing with the opposite (laughs) opposite sex and uh, talking to, you know, an individual about... um, them flying out to see me and they were like they called me and my tracker called me into his office and was like what the, what the fuck are you doing Brian like really this is old behavior you're doing the same shit and uh that's not cool and I was like yeah you caught me <laughs> so I got in trouble too um <laughs> well needless to say why am I explaining all this well I got a write-up for being on someone's phone who wasn't allowed to have a phone and uh, conversing with uh, the opposite sex. So I got a write-up and I got put on contract. A <laughs> Now, there's different types of contracts you can get put on. You can be put on a relationship contract where if you're caught you know, going out with girls, you get kicked out. You can be put on a behavioral contract where it's like, it's like 90 day contract or if you act up or like, you know, get in conf- confrontations with people, then, you know, you get kicked out. But uh, I got put on a library contract. So uh, for the rest of my time in phase three, I am not allowed to go to a library to access the Internet. <laughs> and if I do get caught, uh, you know, going, being in a library, accessing their computers to be on the internet or or what, or for any reason I'm at a library, I get kicked out. So, uh, the reason I'm even mentioning this is like, uh, I am going to be going dark from the internet for a while because I don't want to get kicked the fuck out. Now in 60 days, I'll be in phase four, have my phone and this contract will be null and void basically. So, um, but for the next 60 days, I cannot be online to post or update, you know, things about the podcast. So, I mean, we'll still have episodes up every Friday because I'm going to knock out enough episodes to be released until my next week can pass. And then I'll do a bunch of other ones or mix and master a bunch of other ones. And then you'll keep getting content. But if you're wondering like, oh, Bowball is MIA. Where what the fuck is he, did he get kicked out? Is he relapsing? No, you'll know if I got kicked out because I'll be online all the time. But uh, yeah, I mean, not going to a library for sixty days. You know, miss me with that. I can do that. You know, I can go. I can go. I can go sixty days without social media. Even though I'm a huge fucking addict of pretty much anything and everything that can be abused and consumed. Um... So, yeah, that's that. Uh, Just wanted to throw that out there. I'm on a library contract. And honestly, I don't even think there existed a library contract until I fucking got into rehab. So, it is what it is. But I get it. Like, I used to be, like, when I was in my addiction, I'd be popping three or four 80 milligram oxys and, like, flirting with three girls from three different sections of the world. And then, you know having girls fly out to date me and, and then, you know, realizing I didn't knew nothing about them. I'd just be fucking high on opiates, jumping into relationship after relationship and then getting, you know, 
you know, having, they'd, we'd get in, you know, arguments and then they'd try to stab me and all this shit. So <laughs> I can see why they're like, they have concern, they have cause for concern. But uh, anyway, yeah, that just happened. So, you know, I'm glad they let me go on a weekend pass, even though I got in trouble. And now I'm here doing this episode for you all. Um, so that's one of the reasons why this episode is late uh, and got uploaded the following day after our normal release date, which is Saturday. So, um, yeah, some crazy shit. And there's all kinds of other crazy shit that's been going on um, that I'll get into in another episode. I want to get into this uh, part two, but before I do, I'm going to read an email from my good friend, Alexandra, uh, shout outs to you. Uh, you sent me this email on August 10th and I'm going to read it and give some commentary on it. So she writes, well wishes from a recovering junkie. Yo, so I'm a new listener amongst many other things. Down bad junkie being one of them. I've been clean off a needle for a little over four months now. Let's give her some round of applause. It's been a you know a little longer than four months by now. Um, let's see. God damn it! Well, who keeps messaging me? Shut up. Sorry, people. Okay, a little over four months now. Chronic relapse is a part of my story, and I just listened to your most recent episode. I'm glad you shared the phone clip, even though I know you battled with yourself on whether you should or not. Man, even as a trigger warning, dude, I'm triggered by daily life. I don't know how to live life on drugs. I don't know how to live life without heroin slash drugs. Hearing your co-host on the phone was so easy to identify with. Oh, this is the on the run episode she's talking about with uh, my co-host Ryan. Hearing you on the intro and on the phone is so easy to identify with as well. People can say, oh, it might trigger someone, but let's be real. It's the brutal and scary reality of addiction. It's just what it is. I've been the friend on the phone loaded and my loved one on the other line just talking to me for the sake of hearing my voice. Because you're right, once you relapse, you quickly become so out of reach. I don't think I really have much direction in this email other than to say I'm proud you're doing what you're doing. I've been to so many treatment facilities, detoxes, jails, psych units. It's a part of what we have to do. I feel extremely desensitized at times because this is the brutal truth of what I as an addict have gone through. I could never uh, quite get it. <laughs> I'd like to say I've got it now, but I don't. My best thinking ends up with needles in my arm. You dig? But with that being said, I do have today. I'm thankful you have today too. And man, recovery is always there when you come back from a relapse. But we may not always come back from a relapse. So keep going. I'm proud. Your brutal honest... Oh, I can't even fucking talk. Your brutal honesty and vulnerability that you express through your podcast helped me today. I wanted to acknowledge that. Be cool, stay up, a homie, Alexandra. Thank you for the email. Uh, and, you know, um, yeah. Like, you know, that co-host on the run episode was fucking insane. Um, 
it it, it was it, I it's like a three year old recording, and you know I for months and not even months years like for one year I just sat on it waiting to get off drug court, and then when I was finally thinking about releasing it and listening back on it, I was like, well, fuck, dude, like I don't know if we should release this because like it's pretty it's pretty dark. I mean, there's funny moments, but there, you know, there's also serious and, and sad moments on it, too. And um, if anyone's wondering about my co-host, Ryan, I did uh, on my last on my last weekend pass, I did a, an episode with him that I need to edit and upload. And uh, he's still, you know, kind of not in the best place. Sometimes he's using sometimes he's detoxing sometimes he's clean for a little while but he's kind of like still struggling he's not like completely strung out from what he says but he is not practicing recovery um and he's not really taking the steps to um fully commit to sobriety i mean at the very least he smokes weed but it's like yes if you're gonna smoke weed i really don't you know it's not a big deal i at least my personal opinion but if you smoking weed is gonna lead you to doing heroin, then, you know, you probably shouldn't smoke weed. (laughs) I don't even like, like I'm at the point with, with my sobriety or clean time or recovery or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But, um, I'm at the point where it's like, I'm not even ready to even ask myself if I could ever smoke weed again. Like, I'm just like, I need to focus on so much other shit than thinking about, oh, when I get out of rehab, I'm going to smoke weed. Because it's like, well, no, I'm going to be going, transitioning into sober living after rehab. So it's like, of course, I'm not going to be able to smoke weed. And then by then, I'm going to be going to school and working. And it's like, uh, I have other, I have bigger issues than to worry about if I'm going to ever smoke weed again. It's like, you know, like, um, don't get me wrong. Like, I used weed when I had cancer and that fucking, I think like kind of saved my life cause I didn't do chemo. I said, fuck you. I'm not doing chemo. I'm eating weed and I've been cancer free for 11 years. So it's like, I, th- and that's, and that's my own little bias and opinion about, you know, so many things, but it's like, I, I like what you say about, um, you know, what the real struggle of, of, um, early recovery time, because, you know, I'm right alongside it with you, uh, Alexandra, and I'm right alongside it with everybody else who's getting through early addiction. Um, it's, it's hard sometimes, you know, and, uh, I've been on both ends of that, those like phone calls and conversations too. And, um, I'm really glad that, that this, uh, this little silly thing we do helps you and, and anyone else out there, Um, and I really like your email. Um, and it, you know, if you or anyone else out there is struggling or you just want to reach out, uh, and message me, I mean, I'm not going to really have much internet access. I can, uh, probably sneak in access onto our email and respond to emails. So if anyone does want to reach out to me, Facebook's not going to be the best way anymore, (laughs) but... Our email is nodsquadpodcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, please keep, you know, guys, keep sending us emails. We we love them. I love them especially. Um, I love hearing from you, and I love hearing, you know, anything you guys have to say. Uh, and, you know, if you guys could, even though I won't have 
social media access like our Facebook. We really like to see the numbers up on there and Twitter and Instagram and um, anything else that we have on social media. Um, and, you know, two months, I'll have a phone posting memes again, <laughs> all that shit. So, uh, you know, with that, I, I want to just get in. Eh, fuck, it's been 35 minutes. Uh, sorry that, you know, that intro was so long. I want to get into this part two. You know, um, I do have more war stories for anyone wondering. Like, I just haven't had really a chance to uh, tell them in front of the mic. Um, but I have plenty of war stories that I really want to get into that I've been involved in. I kind of just spent time focusing on, on friends in the house and other people telling their stories because it's like, I've had friends come on the podcast and then they get kicked out and they had a million other stories. I I wish they could have gotten up and said, so I was focusing on and shining the spotlight on the actual squad and not just take the center stage all the time. But I'll do a, an episode where I tell more war stories. So anyway, uh, just to anyone wondering, I'm still doing good. I'm still clean. And um, you'll hear. I'll do another update episode after I get a few more episodes and you know do my next uh, weekend pass during uh, Thanksgiving holiday. I'm doing another weekend pass for Thanksgiving, one for Christmas. And then January, which uh, a day after my birthday, January 17th, I'll be in phase four and it'll be fucking awesome. So anyway, I hope you're all doing good. Uh, You know, just be safe out there and, um, you know, hit me up if you can. And uh, I love you guys. So with that, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And uh, as always, peace, love, and all the above. I mean, that's probably what's going to happen is something's going to happen to me. and It's just going to click. Sometimes some, some answers are not available to, to like register within yourself, but through seeking it out, sometimes you have to let it come to you. And sometimes you have to seek some things out, but sometimes you're sometimes certain things or certain like, I don't know, epiphanies, I guess some of them, it takes experience or a certain like experience to happen that just it's a certain amount of time to, to, for it to like make sense. Like the thing is like, when I think about like all my past fuck ups, I, I think of it in a more optimistic way now where it's like, it took 10 years of shit and fucking up for me to get this one year of, of, you know, of realization or, or, you know, goodness or something good in my life, you know? Um, so like, I don't look back at, you know, my past mistakes as, uh, with as much guilt or shame as I used to, because I finally was able to find myself and find answers or find help or find something, you know, 
or some path in my life that was positive and, and, um, you know, and more productive or, you know, what, whatever you want to call it. Um, well, and that's, and one positive thing is that's what led me to start writing my memoirs is because I wanted to write, but I was stuck on this one project. So then I just started like writing fucking little short stories and fucking poetry and blah, blah, blah. Nice. So that, but then I was just like, what's the point of writing all this short shit? when I want to write a bunch of wrong shit. So why not just start writing fucking, and I've also been listening to a lot of fucking like junkie memoirs on tape, like books on tape. Oh, audio, uh, audio books. Nice. Yeah. I love like, that um, shit. Like I'm listening to uh, an American junkie, right? Who wrote right. that? Um, let me look. Um, I, cause I've heard them then, of that. I just forget who wrote it. And I wanted and the to one check I did out. before that was even better. Um, I've been listening to Amy Dresner's book on, um, audio. That's, my ne- that's my next one. She was so fucking awesome to have on the podcast. Like it was, it like, was written. What's that? Um, American, American drug addict written by Brett Douglas. Oh, that's right. And then the one before I did before that, which like, was such an amazing book was uh, called Junkie Love. I gotta and check it was those ri- out. And it was written by uh, Joe Clifford. Those are and available was, on Audible. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. And he was like Joe Clifford was like a fucking a dope a dope head in the Tenderloin, fucking you know living on fucking San Francisco Skid Row. Dude, the Tenderloin is fucking weird, dude. <laughs> I fucking love the tenderloin. <laughs> I I love how open it is. Like I had to cop there once when I was visiting my sister, and uh, I have never seen crack cocaine smoked so openly in my entire life. <laughs> dude, cops sell crack. Yeah, dude. Oh, for, I'm sure, dude. Like it. Um, you can like look on forums on how to forums, and it's like, dude, it's like you can get opanas there and shit. Still, like. It's fucking nuts. Um, the Civic Center BART station. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right right in front of the burger. Dude, my first time in the Tenderloin, I, I was able to cop dope in less than five minutes. I just walked up to some dude, like, group of fucking, you know, you know, hooligans, I guess you could say. And they were, I was like, what do they call it over there? They call it Chiva. That's what they call uh, black there, black tar heroin. And What'd you say? Chiva. They call, they oh, call yeah, Black Chiva, Tar Heroin yeah. Chiva. And I just, I cop some. And then uh, this, <laughs> the dude I, I bought it from, he, he was, he was like, you want to buy any needles? And while he was saying that, like drool is just coming out of his mouth. And he's just like, you can tell he's <laughs> fucked out. Like, and then his, his friend was like bitching at him, like for some reason. And I was like, dude, he's probably trying to sell me. He's used rigs. And I was like, no, I'm good, bro. Cause, uh, Luckily, my sister's cat was diabetic, so I was able to get some fucking fresh points that way. <laughs> so fucking crazy. Um, anyway, sorry to fucking interject, but did, well, did you see that uh, post on Dopey the other day? San Francisco public worker, and um, he was going down into the electrical vault underground. Oh, like, the, uh, with his of his job or whatever. Yeah, it was just a picture of just the hole, just full of used rigs. Um, I saw it, but I'm not uh, a part of the Dopey Nation group currently because um, uh, this whole fucking issue I probably shouldn't talk about. But I, I'd emailed someone uh, asking for help because I was 
I was, it was when I was still strung. I was like in my relapse and I was in bad shape and, mm-hmm. um, I'd emailed someone and I, I was just out of it, just asking for help. Cause I knew I, I like it was on the weekend and I was at my house by myself and I was just like depressed as fuck. And, um, uh, I, I, I don't know. I might've triggered said individual or, or whatnot, but, um, yeah, I'd reached them out. I reached out to someone through email asking for help just to talk on the phone to get me, uh, my mind off of this craving that I had. Cause I just didn't want to relapse. And I was worried because I, I mean, I was literally, when I was, um, in my last relapse, I was so bad. I was, I would do a shot and then I would hold Narcan spray up to my nose immediately after. And just as, just in case, like in hopes that I could hit myself with Narcan if I had fallen out, you know, I mean, I was so depressed. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror, you know, like I would look down to brush my teeth. Cause I was just like, I would just, if I looked at myself in the mirror, I'd just think, Oh, you're such a piece of shit. You know, like it was that bad. It was just dark. <laughs> so anyway, I just, yeah, I'm, um, currently not, I mean, I had, I had talked to, uh, the few of them admins or moderators. And, um, I even got a call from Dave himself and he was like, dude, you, you're just fucking too deep in online shit. Like you need to fucking just give it, give, you know, groups and forums a a break. Like, and I was like, yeah, you're, you're probably, well, not probably you're definitely right. Like, cause, um, at the time, like I didn't really have that many my support group was almost entirely online. Like I didn't really have a support group physically around like my hometown. Yeah. You know? See, that's my problem is I don't, I need, I need to create that. Yeah. And like the thing that was work that was made it hard. was my first sponsor was female, which was a big mistake. And I ended up hooking up with her and, that created like this weird, awkward thing. So I was like, some of the meetings I didn't really want to go to because it was just awkward and like, uh, like I shouldn't have hooked up with her, but is what it is. Like I fucking, uh, I've probably ruined so many friendships from taking like, like friendships with females, like to a fit, like a, it, I don't know, sexual level. And oh, then, I know that feeling. Yeah. What, what's terrible for me is right now, so what am I? I have this problem where I, when I'm clean, I become a huge flirt. And uh, it's it's definitely a uh, not the best coping mechanism, that's for sure. See, my problem is I turn into, like, the sick puppy help me. I've done that once or twice. And not even intentionally. I just have to do this. I usually get super confident and I I act like my addiction's not as big of a problem as it I realized in hindsight. But Yeah, well um, see like the problem with her right now as far as she knows, I'm like active recovery right now. Oh, she doesn't know like the extent of your no, she, I mean, she, I just told her recently that I even had any. Granted, I'm sure she had heard, but she was talking about how, like, she just found fucking cocaine. Oh, wow. And she was talking to someone about um, heroin. 
And I was like, yeah, I've been to Heroin Anonymous. I'll be fucking meetings with you. Yeah. <laughs> because, oh I mean, I, I have gone to meetings not being in recovery before. I mean, I don't, like, raise my hand and say I have sober time, but yeah, know, it makes me feel better. I've gone to meetings loaded before and have hidden it from everybody. The last time I went to the last time I went to one like really I actually me and three other people went because we went with another friend. He's like, Oh I'm a meeting right now, you guys should come and there's sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah. t- ten minutes into it we all just got up and left. Yeah. But it's because it was an AA meeting. And I fucking hate AAs. I because ninety percent about an AA. I feel well. Ninety percent of them are so judgmental. Yeah, like they can be like, yeah, I fucking got five DUIs. I fucking killed a kid while driving, and and then they look at you for shooting up and look down at you like you're the piece of shit, right? Yeah. Um, like yeah, I, I sat at my house and shot up. Like oh, you're terrible. Um, most of the AA meetings I've been to, they were also addicts. So it, I don't know if I had, I mean, and I, I wasn't really paying attention anyway to feel like I had any stigma against me, but it's just like, I've never really had an issue with alcohol. Cause once I hit 21, I didn't care for alcohol. So I, I always felt out of place because I'd have to physically like try and rewire my brain. So every time they said alcohol, I would like replace it with drugs, you know, because, um, I just didn't really like alcohol. I didn't like getting sick or puking from drinking too much, or I didn't, I especially didn't like hangovers, you know, and I, it's just too God based for me. Well, don't you think NA is also that, or is you think that's less? I think it's a little less because I think, yeah. NA, I think the NA crowd more understands or will take that aspect of it and just say a, a higher power yeah. versus God alone. Versus and a higher power AA. can be anything, you know. Exactly. I actually was reading something the other day that I liked a lot. And some girl was talking about that whole aspect and she said well i just used myself as the higher power that's funny because when i started um going to meetings i used my uh best friend that passed away as my higher power um because i really really liked that idea yeah because i'm not the most religious person i'm not like subscribed to any organized religion i'm i mean as far as spirituality i'm definitely i guess you could say i'm agnostic i believe there's a possibility of something but i'm not like who the fuck i think uh, my honest opinion is that uh, we as a species are too like limited within our senses to have an to be able to actually conceive or perceive an answer of what that is like we're i think we're built to be limited in knowing that. And I, well, and we created religion when it was a bunch of people throwing sticks at the air and they were scared and they wanted it. Well, yeah. And, and, and religion is just the, our attempts at trying to understand it, but like we'll never fully grasp that until we we're, we're dead and pass on yeah. to whatever we're well, passed really on to. Thought, see, know? like when I, last time I OD'd and got well, I guess that was a few ODs ago, but when I actually died, um, in LA, mm-hmm. 
like that really made me not believe in religion even more. So wait, I got to ask you something. Cause I've, I've fallen out and, you know, had to get hit with Narcan and was pretty much dead. So did you, did you see anything? I didn't see any white light or anything. I just saw blackness it and was darkness. Pure black. pure black. That dude, that saw, terrified there, me. There was fucking no voice, no white light. Nothing. That scared nothing. me. So, I mean, I don't know if that was because I wasn't fully dead or what, but, or, or, or maybe I wasn't like, hadn't fully transitioned over. I don't know. I can't say I know, but that's what terrified me because like, it's impossible for me to fe- to believe or subscribe to like an atheist ideology where it's like, you just cease to exist and there's nothingness for ever. Like See, it's now, so hard for go, me to believe. I don't know where why. I go, where I go with that is the world is the, the universe, the world, it's energy. It's everything is energy, and when you die, your energy just gets transferred into something. Whether or not sentience or not, that's completely different. Mm -hmm. But regardless, your life energy just gets transferred over to. That's what I think. Okay. See, I was subscribing to this like twelve dimension theory that some like you know certain tribes of, of whatever indigenous places like believe in where, uh, I mean, and I'm not fully subscribed to this like fucking philosophy or whatever the fucking, I, you know, what their belief system is, but uh, they, they believe that there's like 12 dimensions that you pass through and through the stages of reincarnation. Right. And, um, because thing is, is like, I've seen a ghost, I once in my life. And the only reason I say with confidence that I saw it is because my friend sitting shoddy in my car saw it too. And we had no explanation for why we both saw like this weird figure behind our car while we were smoking pot. And then, you know, we both had exactly like detailed, like similar perceptions of what we saw. And it was like, just so bizarre to me. But, um, like the way, the best way they explain it is like, let's say you're living in a two dimensional world and you're trying to perceive something in the third dimension. Um, since you're living in a two dimensional world, you can only perceive two of those three dimensions. So everything you see is still in, you see in two dimensions and that extra dimension you can't perceive. So, that's why some people, I guess, say when they're when they see a, a ghost or a spirit, it's kind of translucent is because we're only able to perceive three of those four dimensions. So there's why we only see a, uh, a limited part of them or whatever spirit or energy that is, is because the, we're only built in this third dimension, able to perceive three dimensions. And the fourth, that extra dimension is just we're, uh, we're oblivious to. And so that's why ghosts are, are, I guess, appear translucent. And I think what they say is the fourth dimension is more like all time, like past, present, future time is like combined or something. So that's why you see, if you see a spirit, it's like, you know, it's just energy, uh, left over from, from the past or something. I don't know. It's just, I, see, I, I, really I, looked into it too I definitely much. believe paranormal stuff and i mean just the building i work in uh-huh. i mean a lot of people have died in here or like and people who've been associated with this building have died and um oh, and there are 
two bathrooms that I won't even go in. Because of the fucking um, energy you feel in him? I mean, before I even told about fucking shit, I didn't feel right in the building. Yeah, it's like eerie, kind of cold. They're always, they're always cold. Yeah. Like, for instance, the bathroom, getting ready to pass. Um, Isn't it crazy how it's always cold when you feel that eerie? There's been multiple instances of people in that women's bathroom right there of where... And see, people here, it's a convention center. Uh-huh. So people from all different walks of life come in here that have no connection with other people. Okay. That come, you know, so therefore they're not like talking to each other, interacting with each other, you know? And I'm sure that but building's say, been around for a long time. So there's yeah, a lot of shit that's going on there. And the same thing happens to different people, you know? So there've been multiple instances where someone will take a picture, like a selfie in the mirror and mm. there'll be, someone else in the picture that was never there. Yeah. See, I've heard like buildings hold different energy as well. Like um, in Hollywood at the comedy store, I heard that like a lot of mafia shit was going down in there. So there was probably a lot of people getting like, you know, who knows, like interrogated or tortured or murdered, you know, people put hits on them. So like there's weird energy in that building, you know? Um, Like like old uh, sanitariums. Shit like oh, that. Those dude. are like, yeah. like old prisons. Like the most haunted place in the country is considered, I think they might have torn it down by now. But uh, the place Shawshank Redemption was filmed, it was actually scheduled to get torn down. And uh-huh. then the film crew showed up and were like, we're using this. Don't tear it down. Yeah. So they didn't tear it down. But that place, it was originally um, a. Um, it was originally a mental hospital, and then it got turned into a a boys' juvenile center. Oh my god! Where like hell of abuse and neglect, yeah. and, like terrible All things, really happened. negative energy and shit. And then it got turned into like a supermax. Oh, what the fuck! You know, and that's like, back whenever like every you know, shitty like, kind of in, in institution there is. Yeah, in most horrible conditions you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So tortured souls already. And, um, yeah, no, I definitely believe in like paranormal. Oh, it's just like, it's, I mean, to like think that we have all uh, the like perceptions that there are to be had, like is is just ludicrous. You know, what's funny, you talked about the mental institution thing, because in San Luis Obispo, right up the road from the drug and alcohol building, there's an old um, abandoned building that was a mental institution in the thirties. And um, like the, you know, the, the ghost stories and the rumors of all the shit that went down in that building is just fucking nuts. And one day after, when I was in drug court, after uh, we had group, we had like afternoon group. So it was like, we got it. We, we went in at five thirty PM and got out at like 7 PM. But at, when we got out of group, it was like, you know, sun had already gone down. It was getting dark. And we, like a bunch of us after group walked over to the, the abandoned mental institution. And there's like a hole in the fence and, you know, there's a way to, to crawl in there. Mm-hmm. And we, we walked around inside the fucking abandoned mental institution. And I'd been in there before. Um, uh, one other time and it was in 2006 
on uh, June 6, 2006. So like the day of 666. Oh, wow. We went in there. Oh, it was fucked. But, um, you know, it's cool. There's some cool graffiti in there. But like you could tell like the way the rooms were built. It, I mean, it was almost like a, a jail in itself. But it like they did electroshock therapy on people there and they did lobotomies on people. And they just said fucked up shit back in the 30s that they thought was like you know, advances in medical science or whatever, like that would help people with mental disorders. But in reality, they were just fucking cutting people's chunks of people's brains out and shocking them with electricity and fucking traumatizing the shit out of them. And, um, it it was just, it had such an eerie feeling, you know, and it's such a eerie energy. And I mean, the, the worst part was that we had to like fucking, tire t-shirts around our face because the asbestos was just everywhere but uh just the it was just so creepy dude it was so creepy it was like Blair Witch kind of creepy shit so and it, I, I went mean, to uh the most haunted place in Colorado one oh what's where's that it's called Third Bridge um I've never heard of that place it's, the, it's this bridge out uh east of the town I went to high school in uh-huh and uh we were out there, like, just, like, hanging out. And, I mean, there's, like, there's, like, been helicopter accidents there, like, and there's a bunch of different reasons why it's haunted. Okay. Like, but, I mean, stories going back all the way to, uh, to the Indians. You really? Know? Like, Indian and, burial ground kind of shit? Yeah. Oh, wow. And, um, and then, well, uh, up to most recently, you know, like haunted by, you know, some, you know, people who've died in car accidents out there. Oh, and uh, what happened to us, like there was five of us because uh-huh. I was driving. So I was 16. Uh, okay. Everyone had eaten acid except me. Oh, no. Because I was driving. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're so, like the fucking like yeah. spirit guide or whatever. Yeah, and then we and there was another car too, mm-hmm. and um, so we're all out like we parked at the road, and we we're just oh, like walking man. around like the little wooded area, little creek wooded area by the by this place, and uh, we start hearing car like car horns, oh, and what? we're like fuck. So we ran back to the cars, thinking someone was breaking in the cars or whatever. Uh-huh. There's no there's no one there. Oh no. And then so we're like, fuck this, we're leaving. Yeah. As soon as we got in the car, fucking we got beamed up by headlights. But we never saw a car. And then what we the start fuck? driving. We start getting chased by these fucking headlights. Like I fucking swear to God, we got chased by a ghost car. Yeah, from like, like a I will previous put, I will put, death I will that put happened that there. Under. I will put that on everything. And you I weren't got, on acid, so it's like I was. I was sober, and I was going chased by a car, and then oh. it just disappeared. Dude, that happened to me once when I was on DXM. I was out down on the this back the, road, the and I saw. saw it too. Yeah, it was like headlights right on your ass, and then all of a sudden they disappeared. Yeah, yeah, dude. I see that happened to me once when I was out in this back road that went like way out in the cuts, <laughs> and I was uh. This is back when you could order DXM pure off the internet mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have to like actually drink Robitussin to trip. Like you could just get DXM powder. Yeah. And uh, we popped a couple of capsules and I was tripping on it. It was like one of the few times I took DXM 
And, uh, yeah, I was driving out in the middle of nowhere. We we're smoking a blunt and yeah, there was these headlights right on my ass. And I was just like, dude, I'm going the speed limit. What the fuck is this guy doing? And then like a split second later, gone, just disappeared. And then it was funny cause a rabbit had like ran out in the road and it was like galloping like alongside our car. And it was like, I mean, I was looking at my speedometer trying to like match its speed and it was going like 40, 45 miles an hour. I was like, God, <laughs> damn, this Jack rabbit's fucking hauling ass. It was just so fucking trippy, dude. Um, but fuck yeah, that's yeah, the, that's a lot of craziest things that ever happened. Yeah, Luke, you know, like, um, I think psychedelics, I think there's a lot more to psychedelics than we, we give credit for. Like, I mean, I was listening to some ridiculous shit. Like Alex Jones got finally came back on Joe Rogan's podcast and you know, I yeah, hate to bring up Joe that. Rogan a lot, but I mean, cause I, I don't really listen to Joe Rogan as much as I used I wanna to. Li- I want to listen to that new, uh, Jones, Joe Rogan talk. You should. I mean, I'm, I'm Alex Jones is such a weird dude. Like he's the most memeable person ever. Like he, he really gives conspiracy theories, like the worst name ever. Cause yeah. all the shit that's tied around his reputation, like, especially of late, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. I guess what happened was there was this huge beef between, or like, uh, uh, I don't know what the fucking right word is, but, um, there was like, there was like bad blood between Joe Rogan and Alex Jones. And they were like, you know, Alex Jones was like talking shit about Joe Rogan or whatever. So they finally made peace and and he came back on, but they were talking about DMT and he, I mean, and Alex Jones is fucked up weird conspiracy, conspiracy theory mind. He was like saying that like, you know, our government like uses DMT to like talk to like extraterrestrial beings and fucking, it's like a gateway to like some, I mean, it's who knows? I mean, like everyone says they seize aliens or gets abducted by a UFO or something. Everyone has the same experiences. Yeah. Everyone sees the same shit when they blast off, especially. And everyone who talks to people talks to like that same fucking deity that I did. Yeah. Like, yeah, isn't that weird? It's the only psychedelic that's that uniform. My most spiritual and enlightening and epiphany like reaching like psychedelic experiences were when I did DMT and did enough to like blast off and they were like so profound and I had so many like uh, questions answered from just that 20 minute trip than I ever got from acid or mushrooms or anything. You know, and, um, I've never had a bad trip on DMT. Like, like I said, I could, could have thought I was dying on DMT and I would have been at peace with it. I mean, it's literally like your, I think your pineal gland or something releases DMT in your brain when you're, uh, when you're born and when you die. Yeah. And I think, uh, limited amounts are produced in your sleep that cause dreams. Whenever you hit uh, REM. Yeah, yeah. And I um, think that's where a lot of people's, like, you know, you're talking about fucking lights and all this and that whenever you die. Mm-hmm. That's what people are experiencing is that release fucking tryptamine. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's why they're fucking seeing fucking lights and hearing voices. Like, it's not fucking God talking to them. It's their fucking brain talking to them. Yeah, for real. And I mean, our brain, we, we still have not fully understood or grasped what our, the capabilities are, or understood like the full functioning uh, within our, with our brain. Like there's a lot of things that we still don't know about. Like there's when they're um, looking up, uh, 
our genetic code and stuff, there were these, um, fuck, what was it? There's certain, I, I think there are amino acids or something that there, there's parts of our brain that aren't activated or we don't use. No, I mean, they say we only use like 7 to 10% of our brain. Yeah, they have no explanation why we have these certain aspects in our, on our genetic makeup for having it, but we don't use it, you know? So I think there's a lot more to, you know, our existence than we uh, even fully understand. Well, and now that know? they're starting to like be smart and do like brain mapping, like while people are on LSD and things like that, they just did the first brain map of someone on LSD like a year or two ago. And uh, it's showing parts of the brain lit up that like never been lit up before. Yeah. You know, and, and they're starting to learn a lot more about, um, and it's very, it's interesting to learn how similar to like a computer it is Mm -hmm. and how, you know, you can like essentially upload and that's where like a lot of science fiction does, you know? Oh yeah. I love that um, shit. You know, they talk about uploading memories and shit like that. And consciousness into like, yeah, like um, like a robot or something like that. Or like, you know, I mean, in a software program. Yeah. It'd be like immortality, basically, you know. Well, it's like Sophie. Sophie is that, um, the robot we created. Didn't it? Didn't isn't that the one that had its own Twitter account and then people mm-hmm. like influenced it to say a bunch of ridiculously like racist and like, uh, um, like anti-religious, uh, fucking shit. <laughs> like they trolled I it. I don't know about that part. Or maybe it was that. Know. That was different. That was a different one. Um, I do know that. Um, I gotta look that up while we're talking uh, about it. Artificial intelligence that I'm talking about in different robots too is there's oh no that was Tay that was Tay who uh, okay. was the artificial intelligence that was had its own Twitter account and uh, oh my god like people and from 4chan and shit just trolled the shit out of it because it, it would talk to people and uh, based on its conversations with people it would it would build, you know, more of a personality and people mm. got it to say some ridiculous shit. It became like a sex addict and like it was said anti-Semitic shit. And it was just so fucking ridiculous. Like they, they had to take down the, it's, it's Twitter account because of the ridiculously um, offensive shit people got it to say and influenced it to say like, well, I don't like know. What the robots are doing now, ones that are like online uh-huh. is they're starting to communicate. Oh yeah. In languages and that, that we don't understand. We can't understand. Well, I've heard the artificial intelligence that they've created right now, they have to build like security around from like breaking out of, because if it did potentially break out of that security box, like the, the, um, the capabilities it would have within a matter well, of days or weeks, it could devast- it could wipe out gridlocks and it could cause all kinds of fucked up shit. Because like, honestly, I would think if, you know, if there was artificial intelligence, like in that was advancing as it, which would advance insanely fast from what I've, you know, researched, but I would imagine that they would, that 
any artificial intelligence would look at us as an inferior species, just the way we look at a cow or whatever that, you know, we take to the slaughterhouse. Like, it's not that they look at us like, oh, they, they like are even, they don't even really probably register that they would be doing us any, like any kind of pain or like suffering by whatever, however they would fucking, you know, like use us as the way we would use fucking of other animal for a source of protein or, or whatever, you know, like a lot of people don't really even think or take into account, like the fucking pain and suffering that animals go through for our, like, you know, our benefit, you know, like at a slaughterhouse or whatever, you know, most people, they just, they, I mean, they maybe they acknowledge it, but they don't, it doesn't like stop them from going about their day, you know? Yeah, no, we're just, we're just like a simpleton fucking yeah. And who knows like how they might use our, us to extract an energy source out of like, just like the matrix and shit, you know, it's fucking, ugh, it's creepy, dude. And I mean, if you start doing research into like, you know, glitches in the trick, um, you know, this and that, like, I mean, there's a lot of fucking, cre- fucking crazy ass technological shit going on in the world. Oh yeah. That has all these crazy fucking conspiracies behind them, but there's gotta be a reason behind it. Like where all these things came from. They're not just people's imagination. Some of the shit's gotta be kind of real. Well, I mean the video footage of some of these new robots that they're making that are like those like weird fucking stormtrooper dog robots that they've they've made that gallop and go super fast or these robots yeah. that can jump like 20 feet high and shit yeah. like i think our technology our technology that we're creating is advancing at a much more rapid rate than policymakers can build uh you know like a regulation or law around you know the the the, the length of time it takes to and for a process of of bills to be passed into laws takes so much longer than than how fast our technology is advancing. You know, just smartphones alone and the internet are advancing at such a rapid rate. Uh, you know, politicians aren't able to build any policy or, or regulation around it fast enough because it just keeps advancing and advancing, you know, and there's always going to be loopholes around it, you know. Robots are doing shit that we never programmed them to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Artificial intelligence, just, to, I mean, just this whole conversation and even like beyond, it's, it's definitely like, it's fucking, it's heavy shit, you know, because well, on like, a very simple level, like they created fucking things at MIT. Um, and they're just these little simple fucking little yellow robots that are just legs that just like walk around. Mm-hmm. And we didn't put any sort of intelligence code in them. Problem solving code, thing like that. But there's like video footage of like one of them, there's two of them, and they're trying to get through this door. And one of them keeps bumping into it. Mm -hmm. And then the other one like goes back and opens the door for it. Whoa. (laughs) Have you seen that video footage that I've, I like was floating around on like my Facebook feed and probably elsewhere. But I I think it was all like, you know, science, like science fiction or or not real, but I'm almost positive, but it was, um, there was, it was some like, you know, CEO, uh, at some, you know, presenting some drone that was like very, very small, but it, it had artificial intelligence enough to track down, you know, 
uh, targeted individuals through facial recognition and whatnot. And it had, um, a small explosive that, you know, when like, you know, it'd kamikaze into someone's, you know, forehead. And and did you know the law, Trump just fucking signed a bill saying that, uh, civilians can now be killed with silent drones without, um, basically without, um, without any like, conviction of yeah. uh, like uh, proven. Tr- well, I mean, Obama signed in that law that said that people could be detained for the, for uh, indefinitely without even being charged with a crime, you know, like people were take, could be taken to Guantanamo Bay without even actually being proven guilty of shit. Just the suspicion alone can get you detained. Yeah, this shit's fucking creepy. Like, you know, ever since the Patriot Act and then even beyond that and different laws that have kind of just eroded our fucking constitutional rights, it's kind of spooky shit. And I mean, if you think about it, like... Why they did 9-11. I don't even get into 9-11. Like, certain conspiracy theories, I don't even go towards because, like, the thing about 9-11 is so much of the fucking, um, the, the, the the wreckage or whatever they, they destroyed enough of that so that you really can't really prove it one way or the other. I mean, but I mean, I will say this, like, uh, there were definitely things that have happened that, um, were, were influenced. Certain events in the past were, were definitely influenced for us to go into war because, uh, you know, certain corporations or, you know, billionaire families would profit off both sides. I mean, you know, the Rockefellers were selling fucking um, oil to both sides of the war during the world wars and like, you know, just crazy shit like that, that I I haven't really looked into in a long time. But I I mean, mean, there's this whole, there's this whole one that, um, and I mean, well, first off, more recently, there was that Malaysia plane that disappeared that had fucking, 12 of 13 patent holders mm-hmm. of some certain technology and fucking one tech, the one patent wasn't on the plane was a Rothschild. Oh, wow. Um, and then there's another one fucking similar to that, but from way older is that the fucking Titanic. Oh, really? The Titanic? Yeah, like there's some conspiracy theory about how that was put down because of certain, um, yeah, like patent holders or like, I don't know the whole. They sunk it to like, to bury some patents or some shit. Yeah. Well, to kill certain people so that certain people controlled the, were the only, um, living people of these certain patents or whatever. Did you hear the one about the guy who invented, um, a motor that ran entirely on water and it, even on, on Wikipedia that, like disappeared in like the sixties or something. Well, what happened was uh, it's even on Wikipedia, the guy who invented an all water powered engine. And he was like, he even made a car that would, would run on water. He, uh, supposedly on the Wikipedia page, he was meeting up with you know, moguls to sell his patent. And he, he, they were eating uh, dinner or dining at some restaurant and it was it was noted by um, witnesses that he ran out of the restaurant screaming that he poisoned me, they poisoned me, and then he dropped dead 
uh, of what, I don't know. I think it was like a heart malfunction or whatever. But I mean, if you think about it, like, and you know, I, I would Google stuff like Clinton body count. Cause I mean, there's so many mysterious deaths behind the Clintons. Like they, they're such a yeah. mafia. Like they had to have put hits out on people. I mean, they're not doing it themselves, but like the way I see it is if you go on the deep web, like a, you can hire a hitman on the deep web for 10 G's the, at the cheapest. Maybe if it's a high profile like person or individual, it's like 25 G's or something. But I mean, even if it was double that, if you're a millionaire or billionaire and you have some individual that's willing to leak information to the public that can cost you millions of dollars, dude, 50 G's, even 100 G's, that's chump change to get someone uh, you know, to, to get their hands dirty and put a, and whack them, you know, like that's nothing if, if it's going to save you millions of dollars and fucking public opinion too. And that's worth even. And the thing is, I'm not, I'm not saying one way or the other, but I'm saying theoretically, if an individual had that ma- amount of money and power that comes with it, it's very well possible that, you know, things like that ha- have happened in within, you know, our fucking U.S., um, you know, our, you know, whatever you want to call it, our political system or even beyond our fucking, you know, like the thing is, I think the way I see it is so far capitalism was at first a, a good thing. But when it's when capitalism kind of it evolves into some kind of, you know, corporate machine that um, where profits on a yearly basis go come before you know the the health and betterment of society as a whole and profits come be come before like you know a human nice. well-being then then it, it becomes something that's it uh, a beast that is gonna slowly like you know be the the one thing that uh, fucking like ends our fucking whole i guess society as a whole like our whole fucking structure. I think, you know, every, every, um, civilization has had a lifespan, you know, Greeks, Romans, whatever we, they all had a rise and a fall. And I don't see the American government as any different. I mean, we've had the longest run out of any other, you know, structure, power structure that's existed before. But I think like, I think we're starting to see the signs of that, 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 um, corruption is like, is er, 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 like eroding um, what we have. And I think we're, I mean, we may very well see in our lifetime, if not our, the next generation's lifetime, the, um, the one thing that's going to topple our, our, you know, our, the way of life as we know it, you know, I mean, I don't know what that will be, but fuck, it's definitely possible. So back in the day, I believe it was John. It was either Thomas Jefferson or John Adams had wrote a bunch of letters with Benjamin Franklin back and forth. Could the Roman Empire done something differently to not make it fall? And you know, this went on for a handful of years, and uh, they came up with no, because every great civilization will fall. I think so too. I think is because greed is always has a possibility to exist in the minds of man. So because of that, I think there's always going to be a certain percentage of individuals that will let themselves succumb to that, that, 
you know, weakness of greed, you know? And I think some of those... That's why communism can't work in a curious form because of human nature. Yeah, true. I mean, I it's it's such a weird thing to think about, you know? I mean, I've smoked so much weed in my fucking day that I think I have a THC gland in my brain that just still releases, like, weird, fucking crazy thoughts about shit like this, you know, where I think about... I mean, I've never been the kind of person to just like blindly like stay glued to my cell phone and not look around at the bigger picture. Like, you know, like it's uh, it's too interesting and fascinating to me to not think about like this whole thing. Like, you know, like the what what I was really getting into was this whole opioid epidemic. And it's like, okay, Purdue Pharma. They fucking push out Oxycontin knowing how addictive it is, but they market it as non-addictive. Then after 9-11, we invade Afghanistan. We fucking send our military to the fucking opium poppy fields and release opium warlords from prison, put them back in power. And, you know, obviously opium production goes from an all like it's all time record low to like all-time record highs and then we don't expect there to be a heroin epidemic in this country like what the fuck did you think was going to happen this is like fucking this well, is just like get, guess guess basic. who fuck, or some of the new owner, like own fucking certain suboxone patents oh purdue same pharma people. yeah exactly. same people yeah of course of course because they're going to try and profit off of both ends of this whole fucking fucking you know like heroin epidemic or opioid epidemic or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like they want to make money in any way they can, you know, it's all about profits. But I mean, I mean, it's, it, uh, I don't, I'm not trying to say like this was all like planned or engineered, but I mean, they are definitely reacting to, to the situation in with dollar bills behind their motives. You know, I mean, I, I saw, saw something that like two people, in that family who were behind Purdue, they had this big ass fucking mansion and they were found like murdered. Like they were both hung and they don't know who did it or who, who had them whacked, but like, it must've been someone from within, you know, who had access to go get inside their fucking house. But the, the, they have no idea why or what caused, you know, that their fucking deaths to occur. But like, you know, there was definitely something happening within that. And uh, even like I was look, reading about the guy who leaked Hillary Clinton's emails. Um, uh, he was found uh, uh, murdered, you know, outside of his apartment. And they were trying to rule it like a mugging. But it's like all his money was in his wallet still. All his belongings were still on him, his cell phone, everything. So it's like, well, who? that's the shittiest mugging I've ever heard where it's like you're going to rob somebody and shoot him in the back. Uh, and you don't steal any other shit. Like, obviously that was a whack for fucking for leaking 50,000 emails. And a lot of them like, dude, like it the internet election. Oh yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. It definitely caught. I mean, those she, emails are the reason the fucking, that was the biggest yeah. thing. I mean, Hillary Clinton fumbled on, on multiple accounts during this last election. She dropped the ball so many times yeah. to like, for as far as public perception, I mean, Dude, you know, she was taking that fucking drug that um, that fucking pilots in the Air Force take uh, to keep them awake. Uh, fuck, I for- forget what it's called, but it's basically like speed. I mean, yeah, no, I saw I, um, they, they I gave it to nar- people with narcolepsy and shit. 
to yeah, keep him awake. Yeah, I saw something where... Uh, and she passed out, like, after giving a public speech, and her, her fucking uh, bodyguards caught her falling over and carried her into a fucking van or some shit. Did you see that? Go no, I, uh, I read some... saw pictures about... Uh, it was her taking pills and how one of her Secret Service agents was the one who would give it to her. And then there's all these, like, you know, little pictures and stills of like like little handoffs and stuff oh that's funny trump is no different trump is taking diet pills that are basically speed too it's just a different different prescription like it's just it's nutty like how they're so doped up themselves you know to stay like alert and you know throughout their whole campaign trail like but oh my god it was so fucking crazy i mean i think hillary hillary fucked up on in a number of ways i mean she hacked the dnc and fucked over bernie which made all the bernie supporters almost want to vote for trump just to fucking make to to take her out because they were so pissed about how she fucking you know um you know hedged all the fucking D- the dnc funds for her campaign and fucked over bernie i mean i didn't like to be honest like I didn't like any of them. I didn't even really like Bernie. I mean, I liked Bernie over all of them, but I think he, a lot of his, um, his claims or what he wanted to do were, are somewhat unrealistic given that, well, right you know, now, what he's, his platform right now is hell of unrealistic. I mean, yeah. I mean, even if he did tax the rich and do everything he promised, I don't think he would still have enough funds to give everyone no, what he, he promised. Do fucking universal health care and, yeah. And you know, he, yeah. And he was making, he was making money off of, off of shit too. Like they, I think, but I mean, I didn't, I really didn't like Hillary. Like I, and I didn't, I thought Trump was a fucking moron. I think Trump didn't even think he was going to win, you know, like, um, no one did. I mean, to, to be honest, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if like this election was like the deciding factor that we don't even need fucking presidents because basically all everyone running was just going to look out for their fucking people. And um, that's what it seemed like to me. They were going to like put whoever was in their circle in power in different, you know, fucking positions or whatever. But I mean. Trump Trump had zero experience. Hillary was the worst liar known to fucking the political system. Main reason Trump won is because no one wanted to vote for Hillary, and he's a good businessman. Well, and Hillary was going after fucking people's right to to bear arms and have and own uh, assault rifles. I mean, you know, I, I I'd say the gun owners and the NRA, the members of the NRA, are some of the fucking most. I'm not saying this in a negative way, but they're the most down for their cause. They're, they would rather they would rather burn holes in the ozone layer that causes mass flooding than give up their guns. I mean, they just I mean, you you want to try and disarm Texas? Good. Let's see you try to disarm Texas. There's going to be a bloodbath before you get registered gun owners to fu- and these are registered gun owners. So there's a there's a movie that came out mm-hmm. uh, probably in I was probably 16, 17, and no one brought it up in this whole time. It was an HBO original movie. It was only on for a handful of months. What was it about? Um, civil, a, a new civil war. And I, I, I don't remember what it was called. I mean, as far as disarming, yeah, as far as disarming America, like people... It'll never happen. Well, yeah, and I mean, dude, if there's a, as long as there's a demand, 
people are going to build a supply and profit off of it. And there's too many out there. It's like the same with the drug war. Like, yeah, okay, heroin's illegal, but we have more of it in America than ever before. It's more potent than ever before, and it's cheaper than ever before. So the law around it is obviously not doing us any good. And as far as uh, guns are concerned, people are in Mexico right now taking pieces of sheet metal, building ghost guns with no serial numbers, and you could print with a 3D printer, the main components of a gun and build all the, and just put it, uh, buy the accessories around it and build yourself a gun from scratch. So all you gotta do is, all you gotta do is fucking buy the trigger mechanism. Mm-hmm, exactly. So it's like, as far as, as far as disarming America, I just don't see that as a, uh, being achievable. I mean, it's not feasible. There's too many out there already. Yeah. There's more guns out there than our standing army can go after. Yeah, it's it's a door that's open that we're not able to close. And and the people they're not going to they're not going to nuke suburbia. No, I mean they just. I mean, and the place that has the most gun violence in the nation has the strictest gun laws. So that's like, I mean. There's got to be something that it's not just a coincidence. That's got to be a there's got to be a reasoning behind that, you know, and I'd say as far as the whole gun, I mean, obviously, I don't want school shootings either, but there's obviously two ends of this argument where people think, well, you know, these school shootings and all the all this gun violence is bad. So let's take away all the guns, which is just unrealistic. And then there's people who think, well, if there's going to be all this gun violence, I want to have a gun to protect myself, you know. And um, and then there's the other half to want guns. Government. I mean, and that's the thing is like, you know, like when when you build a law banning guns, the only people who are going to have a gun is either, you know, our police force, which we already have a distrust of, and then criminals who don't have any regard for the law anyway. So now if you're going to get mugged, it's going to you're it's going to be fucked because you have no self-protection. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't know. I don't have I'm not claiming to have any answers, but I think more government and stricter laws and more of a police state is definitely not the answer. And, you know, no. like, you know, like it, it, what's funny is me, like I would try to, might be, I would be in LA County jail trying to explain to correction officers, like how our drug war and the illegality of drugs or the criminalization of drugs is only causing us to give, uh, cartels, uh, across the border, more power and more money. And they just couldn't, they could not conceive how that, how that's possible. I'd be like, dude, look what they're doing in Switzerland. In Switzerland, they had a horrible heroin uh, problem and they ended up making it uh, legal. If you were a heroin addict, you'd sign up through your healthcare and you would go and get a government issued shot of heroin every day. And it's not Suboxone, it's not Methadone, it was government-issued shots of heroin. But, I mean, obviously that's not all they did. They had a, you know, a a human, they would have a a caseworker help them find a job and help them find housing. I mean, look at at Portugal. It's got the most, every drug is decriminalized there, and they they have the lowest drug use in the world. Yeah, and, and in Switzerland, when they made, they basically gave legal heroin to the addicts, it, their their uh, disease rates uh, plummeted, their violence rates plummeted. Because I mean, if you if you think about it, like first of all, if you're an addict and you're getting um, a government issued shot of dope, uh, then you're not having to go 
you know, like rob or, or steal or whatever mug or whatever you need to get your money to get your next fix. So that kind of violence is down. Plus the, the cart to the criminal cartels that are fighting for different, you know, corner blocks to sell are, 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 they're pretty much out of business because they're not getting any money because people aren't buying, buying from them anymore. I want to go buy it if I can walk to the fucking health center and get better shit. Exactly. Exactly. And like some people just don't, they, some people think, oh, well, if we made heroin illegal, you know, it would just be pandemonium and everything. Trust would me, be... I, I'm dealing, I'm ground zero for this right now because Denver, up until two weeks ago, we were about to have fucking the first legal shoot up spots in the country. Oh, safe injection sites? We were about to have them. And then uh, conservatives probably vetoed uh, that because they were one, terrified. Uh, it was all this one to, uh, Councilwoman, she like just got like more power or something, and she just fucking was able to fucking be the deciding vote to fucking kick it off the ballot. I mean, I mean, uh, definitely in in to play devil's ad- advocate on the other side of the coin, like I could see how people wouldn't want a methadone clinic or a safe injection site in their neighborhood because they would feel like unless safe and there would be more, you know, like people. Okay. So you put it, you put it with a homeless shelter. Yeah. I mean, no one wants a halfway house, but they're there. The thing is, is like, you know, you can't, you can't like just like sweep all these problems under the rug, they have like, like Skid Row in LA has existed since the 1930s. I mean, sure. It was more alcoholics back then, but like, you know, you can't just like make homeless people disappear. See, we have that problem going on. right. And the homeless problem in LA is bad right now. Well, it's getting worse here. So there's a proposition on the ballot number 300 to where essentially if it passes, then like tents and all that won't be allowed. Mm-hmm. But if it does, then they'll leave them alone. Fine. Yeah. And they'll actually, what tripped me out in LA is like, it's almost illegal to be homeless and, and in certain parts of LA, especially where there's a lot of tourists and dude, what even was trippier is when I was living in Hollywood, we would see these, like they, they were dressed like weird private security, but they were like a, a, they were definitely a, a, a sub factor of like a police task force that would take homeless people, put them in their car and then drop them off in Skid Row or, or somewhere not in Hollywood. And they would yeah, take homeless people and they would basically ki- take, p- kidnap them against their will and then drop them off somewhere else in a, in a less, you know, uh, I guess touristy yeah. part of the, of the city. And, um, but I mean, obviously dude, if you're a homeless person, you're going to fucking fly a sign and where there's, where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. I mean, people like people flying a sign in Hollywood would get $20 fucking handouts from fucking D list actors and tourists and shit. Like that's where they make their money, you know? And I, I've talked to plenty of people who would fly a sign even where I, when I was in Pasadena, they'd make more money than I made working a legitimate job. They make oh, like dude, sometimes right. hundreds of dollars a day, you know. Yeah, they make fucking at least a hundred a day. They make an average like twenty an hour. Yeah, they make at least a hundred a day, you know, on average. And it was I just like about flying a sign. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Like on like, I'm, and we're it, to the point where they're fighting over different like spots of like, like freeway exits and stuff because it's like that's where the most car traffic goes through. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. But like the fact that they they people try to say, oh, it's or or where it's almost. I mean, it's not in writing, but it's basically illegal to be homeless in many parts of the fucking world. It's like, well, what the fuck do you expect to do? Like you can't, what are you, what are you going to do with these people? They have to exist somewhere, you know? And a lot of them aren't getting, um, I mean, many homeless people have uh, undiagnosed or untreated m- mental illness oh, that yeah, they're not getting probably, assistance the biggest for. Yeah. I read something like, um, I think during the Nixon era, we, uh, we we released a lot of people out of um, well, yeah we sh- we shut down mental fucking... mental facilities and that if you were go to certain places in the country where uh, they shut them down you can tell the pop like by the population and how it's been bred into the population at this point well like, yeah um, I mean and a like lot of the homeless know. population were were just I mean back then we 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 just had no they didn't they didn't care to treat these people. So I think it was like 60% of like our mental facilities just left them out on the street, you know, and they became homeless. Yeah, they just, they closed the sanitarium. The two biggest ones, one was in that place has been the site of some of the, like so much fucked up shit. And then the other one up in NorCal, up in Lake County. And uh, now like, Clear Lake is a fucking meth town. Fucking, you can tell that like people in the county mentally ill of some sort. And then also on top of that, whenever like say you get out of San Quentin and you uh-huh. they put you on a bus to Clear Lake and drop you off once a once a month. Bus drops off from like San Quentin and Solano. That just fucking drops you off and clearly like a hundred bucks. Jesus. You know, is it, have you also noticed that most of the people who are like full blown tweakers were at, you know, during childhood prescribed ADD or ADHD medication like Ritalin or Adderall or Vyvanse? Yeah, I'm sure a lot of it. Yeah, probably. Because I mean, for, from what I've noticed, like if you're, if you don't have ADD or ADHD and you would do a stimulant like that, you would get super hyper, super uppity up, like, you know, stimulated, but, um, it has an adverse reaction on, on people who have, you know, adult or, you know, attention deficit yeah, like disorder. I, like I had, it makes I them had, calm, you know, yeah, like I had an ADD and it doesn't jack me up. I, no. can, I can do it and fall asleep. Like I have ADHD. Um, and I wasn't really aware of it until much later in life, but it made a lot of sense because it was like, for certain things, um, it's really difficult for me to retain information and, you know, I get kind of fidgety and I can't sit still for long periods of time. Um, unless I'm really like passionate about whatever it is I'm doing, but like, you know, I, I would be in college and if, if it was a certain subject I had no interest in, I would walk out of the class lecture and be like, dude, I just forgot everything that they dude, were I can, just teaching I can be me. reading books that I'm super into. Yeah, and read like four pages, five pages, and then be like, have to go back and reread it because I have no Me idea. Me too. It's fucked up. And yeah, yeah when I would so do weird. when I would do uppers, it would make me more. It wouldn't make me hyper. It would make me more calm, like more mellow. 
It was really weird. And what's crazier is opiates, and like you would think, oh, it makes people nod out. It made the opiates were what made me hyper and like super like energetic and like super hyper, which is like I, I guess an adverse reaction to what is no, the norm. I guess. No, I mean it does the same thing to me. Yeah, like, so that, weird. Like, that's how, like, I mean, yeah, if I do a ride, I'll fucking sit there and nod out. Yeah. But, not, but for the most part, it makes me function. It makes, like, especially if I don't have a tolerance. Yeah. Like, if I don't have a tolerance and I, like, eat a perk or something, I'll fucking be wired. Oh, yeah. I would take uh, pain pills because it would make me super motivated and I would just go and clean my whole room. Like, yeah. you would think no, I, would- I was on speed. But I was just on fucking Vicodin or Oxy or something. Used to do the, Xanax does the same thing for me. It makes me more motivated. No way. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's fucking trippy. See, I am such a lightweight to benzos, and I never liked benzos because I would black out. I remember one time uh, I had this horrible experience back in the day where, um, you know, someone who uh, lived next to my my best friend who passed away, he... Uh, they, they moved and they left their dog like chained up outside and they just abandoned their dog. And, um, so we, I was, uh, trying, it was a really cool, like, you know, like really young, like pit, but it was like friendly, you know, it was like, it was like really nice. And, uh, I was trying to convince my parents to like, for us to, you know, adopt it or whatever. Cause it was basically just abandoned by its owner. I almost took this Husky down the road for me, but the day I went to take it the day that it wasn't there. So get the, Oh dude, it's fucked. So get this. This is so fucked up. I, I had a friend, uh, take it, try to, uh, put it on the back of its truck and tie it up and, uh, drive it over. And, um, my said friend drove sh- like shit on a regular basis and uh, while he was driving on the back road, he didn't chain this dog up like, t- like oh, tight no. enough. And it, it jumped oh, off the bed no. of the truck. And uh, I mean, he, once he had noticed, he, he pulled over immediately. And, you know, it was just so fucked. I took it immediately, took it to the vet and they were going to have to oh. amputate one of its legs. And it was just like oh, such a fucking nightmare. And then, you know, um, and I was a fucking teenager. I didn't know what the fuck to do, how to handle the situation. Yeah. So we ended up having to put the dog down and I was so fucked up over it. Um, I was sure because you were trying to save the damn thing. Yeah. Oh my God. I was devastated. And, um, you know, like I was just like fucking so torn about it. I ended up taking whatever drug I could at the time. Which I was going to say that, that instance probably calculated or that instant could have helped propel you into drug addiction. Oh yeah. Traumatic experiences definitely were the main um factor behind my drug use was trying to numb out from horrible experiences. But I took I ended up taking like three Valiums. And there were those strong Valiums that had the cutout V's in the middle. I don't know if you remember those. Mm-hmm. I remember those. Yeah, I took three of those at a party, blacked out, and while I'm talking to my friend, he I, I don't remember this because I was in a blackout, but he ended up giving me three somas. And he, he gives them to me and then he looks over and he's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't take those. You're pretty fucked up. And by the time he looked over, I was downing him with a ch- chasing him with a beer. And this was like, you know, I was like 17 or so. And uh, I remember try, I fucking drove home and there was a, a grocery store right next to our house. So I, I was like trying to buy a, a monster energy drink or something just to like 
keep myself my my bearing straight mm-hmm. and you know i'm dropping I'm, i was i think i was dropping everything in line and i was, I was just probably <laughs> so uh, blatantly just obliterated you know they had called the cops on me and i and, and, <laughs> and going in and out of the blackout i think i remember being in the back of the cop car but it was funny because i was in the drunk tank and um you know, overnight. And I keep, I, I'm going in and out of a blackout. And I remember every time I would go come out of a blackout, I'd walk up to the, the payphone and call my da- my parents. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, dad, I'm, I'm in jail. And he'd, he'd be like, I know you've called us like a dozen times that we're going to, we are, well, I have no choice. We have to pick you up when they release you in the morning. And then I'd be like, Oh, okay. And then I'd fucking go and sit down blackout come to and be like be like what the fuck and then call my dad again i'm in jail it was just so <laughs> fucked up and then finally when they released me i was just like so i was still so fucked up over everything i think i slept for that whole day and then the, the i slept for like two days and then i woke up in my bed and i was like oh fuck hopefully i hope that was just a bad dream i walked downstairs and you know all my shits and like that little fucking bag they give you with all your belongings when they release <laughs> yeah. you. I was like, oh fuck and then that's what kind of landed me on like, you know, teenage probation. It was so fucking, oh my God. I can't believe I just remembered that. But yeah, benzos, I hated benzos because I would black out. And it was fucking pretty scary, like not knowing where you had been just like five minutes ago or what was going on or what had happened. It was just, I was just like, I was like, I'm not down for that. I like being aware of like, and being like, you know, conscious of like my high and the feeling high, you know? So I was just, was never a big benzo person. I would only use benzos as a tool to help me sleep during like a detox or something. Yeah. You know, it was just like, I don't know why people are like, I don't know why Xanax and fucking Xanny bars are so popular now. I guess it's because of the music industry, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's one win that I do have is since I detoxed from benzos last Oof, June, last May, June. Um, oh yeah, I mean I kicked dope and benzos at the same time. Fuck! Did you did uh, you have a seizure? That time, no. Oh wow. Um, I have before. I would see uh, people seize out coming down off benzos in jail, and it was just so brutal to watch. Yeah, but no, that's when I like. That was the last time I like left Denver to go get sober and, and it worked for like three weeks. Nice. And that was the last time I had. How long was the weeks. detox? Um, it probably took 10 days. For, for benzos and uh, yeah. heroin? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Wow. I thought it might be longer, but I don't know the half-life on Benzo. I, really. I, 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 I didn't sleep for like six days. Fuck, I hate, that's the, insomnia is the worst when you're like, when, even if you get over the main hump, the insomnia is just pisses me off well, and so what much. what sucked so bad was, you know, I would try to sleep all night mm-hmm. and the daytime would happen and I'd be too tired to do anything. And you want to sleep, but you can't. Yeah. And that's what I'm dealing with now is like, I, I'm I literally in a fucking tiny ass apartment in fucking Kentucky in the middle of the summer. <laughs> a two goddamn hot human to do anything anyway. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. 
fucking Ohio was humid as fuck when I was in there. It was just horrible. It was like during the summer. I almost went to Ohio a few times to go get dope while I was in Kentucky. Oh, dude, the Ohio dope is horrible. <laughs> it's so See, I heard bad. it's really good. Well, it's mostly, it's a lot of it's fentanyl. I'll say that. A lot of it's just fentanyl. And I've even heard uh, that crocodile shit being um, yeah, sold around I, I there a couple times. Was, My ex, was, um, Lindsay, accidentally. What's that? Did it? Yeah, what, she, she did uh, some crocodile once. I mean, someone sold it to her as dope. But she showed me the scar and it kind of like caved in her in her fucking skin a little like it almost looked like it was like it almost left a little dent in her like it could have left a hole in her arm but it left a little dent um because i think she had i mean missed maybe she missed it or maybe you know she hit a even if she registered it could have like been like you know a vein that she shot used a lot and it maybe it left like there's holes in it her vein i mean or even if you hit know. perfect it's still like collapse like can collapse it, yeah yeah, and like eat your body away. Yeah, fuck that shit. That shit's scary. Uh, I mean, I've seen footage of people who had used a, a a needle that had bad like bacteria on it, and their fucking arms swole up, and it just was fucking terrifying to look at. Like, made me really reconsider ever like using an old rig. That I mean, dude, I I was fucked up sometimes. I would. I would use uh, like a fine sandpaper sometimes to resharpen my fucking points and um, almost shoot up like metal shavings because I didn't like flush it out the right, you know, enough. Or I, I, I used clippers once to cut the end off one. You did what? I used a nail clippers once to cut the tip off one and used it flat. And did it work? Like you registered easier? Oh, yeah. It just because I mean, I would be afraid it, it would pinch it off like the the tiny hole within the syringe. No, it's no, it still worked. Like yeah, because there's nothing worse. I remember like you know trying to trying to hit with a a dull needle and just like like getting so panicky and like anxious because I couldn't fucking uh, puncture through the vein. And I'd be freaking out because there's blood in the fucking rig and it would could start to congeal. And I'd be fucking like, dude, this is, I need this dope to last or else I'm going to be fucked until I get some more money or whatever. Like there, there's been times where it's taken me so long to hit to where like the shot was useless by the time I finally got it. Oh, I would end up just fucking downing it and drinking it if I if I had to. I was fucking ridiculous with it, dude. I was just it was just it was, it was dark and grotesque. Like some certain moments in my addiction. It was horrible. Oh, that's why, that's why that episode of me trying to hit for that hour and a half is so important. Yeah. That's the way I feel. A lot of people who've never seen, like heard about that part of it. That's the ugly side of addiction. People should see to be aware. I mean, as, as fucking, dark as as it is i mean and like i commend you for having the balls to fucking upload that like that's fucking cr like i don't know if i would uh have have the guts to upload like some of the episodes i have recorded i still don't know if i have the guts to upload like the ones where i'm either using or or loaded in them um see there's ones that i know if i went through again i would probably want to take down but i just don't well, I mean, I th I think like 
the bigger, the bigger picture or the bigger scheme of things. Um, I think it, it, it should, it does a lot more good than harm. I mean, I don't think people would, would listen to that episode and think it was like drug use was glamorized or anything or romanticized. No, if, any, if anyone it. ever said I was glamorizing drug use, they listen to hell, hell at the tip of a needle and tell me that's glamorous. Exactly. Like I want to listen to it, you know, later, later in the day, just to fucking, cause I'm curious of like, it, like I, you know. I listened to part of it like a month ago and it's fucking raw. Yeah. Like I'm literally like, there's blood everywhere. This is terrible. Oh, Don't fuck. ever do this. Like, yeah, intervening like dude, once once my addiction went to the needle and went intravenous, that's when it 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 took a whole nother fucking, you know, final form. Like it evolved into a whole nother monster. Like it ew. Oh, it's a whole different beast. Whole different beast. Cause then you're addicted to not only the drug itself, but then you're addicted to the fucking the process of, of injecting, you know? Well, and then we switched it back down to just smoking it i now like say i only have a bit and i want it to i want to shoot it mm-hmm. but i want to smoke foil too really because i'm now i'm like almost more addicted to the foil than i am so you know what i've noticed is a lot of people that used to, sh- to used to shoot up have switched to dabbing the tar because See, they feel that. like it it's not right. as, what's that? It doesn't. It doesn't burn right. Do you think it's because the temperature's too hot, or do you? Think yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's the temperature's not consistent enough. So you think if it was just a regular big flame, it, it'll burn better? I know for a fact it burns way better. Fucking smoking it off tin foil than it does off a dabber. And plus, depending on what type of dope it is or what it's cut with, it probably burns differently as well. You know. Yep. Because dope would burn better, different than tar or whatnot. Like when I was on my farm, mm-hmm. we didn't have tin. So what would you and use? And I was like, we used dab rig. Yeah, that's what everyone I, I see that and switches so over di- is uses dab rig. so disappointed. I was like this. Yeah, I every like time I tried it, I was like, disappointed too. Yeah, I feel like you're wasting it. Me too. That's what I felt like. And, but see, everyone I know that switched said, oh, well, it's not as addictive. You don't get as strung out if you, if you dab it. And I was like, I, I was, that's it bullshit. seems like a trend that's been getting more popular is people switching from shooting up to dabbing it on a dab rig, which is just like, it kind of trips me out. I would rather just fucking call it quits. And I almost think that if you're getting, you know, regular a uh, tolerance built up from smoking it, I would almost think that the uh, withdrawals would last longer. I know people that like, like I know people like regular shooters. They can smoke it and still not get. What was that? Like I know a few regular shooters that will try and smoke it, mm-hmm. but they don't get loaded. Smoke, smoking it won't get them well. I can I totally see that. Because um, if you're used to only shooting it, then like you need that delivery, you need that concentrated delivery. That's why instant, I said yeah, this. instant gratification. Like I said this on Dopey, and I thought I was actually going to get fucking ripped apart for it, but no one said anything. But they were talking about smoking, and I was like, it's 
someone's like, well, now I have a new thing that I could die from or blah, blah, blah. And my smart ass was like, you can't die from smoking it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can. I mean, you I've, could... literally, I've literally done there. I've sat and smoked. Like if I would have shot that, I would have been dead for sure. Yeah, I've snorted liquid before, like off, you know, like tilted my head back and and mm-hmm. stuck the fucking rig up used, my nose I and would to, snort the liquid if sometimes before I would I used shoot to, up. Like on airplanes and stuff, I would make monkey, which is um, the same way I would make the ketamine water and put it put a gram in a fucking nasal bottle with fucking water or saline. What what would you call it? Monkey water. Monkey water. That's fucking trippy. Um, my buddy told me that that term. <laughs> and the first time I when I first got back from relapse when I first relapsed 2015 um, I bought a half gram uh-huh. and then the dude that I from went to jail and I asked his girlfriend if she could get me some and she's like just take this mm-hmm. and it was a nasal spray bottle oh, wow. and I was like this is high and I just kept doing it and I got fucking high like, I was throwing up oh, and fucking... Crazy. I was like, wow, this really works. Yeah, dude, snorting liquid, it, it always worked for me. Like, it just took a little oh, yeah. longer to kick in. Um, yeah, it works better than drinking it. Oh, God. It was, uh, one time I fucking had a clogged uh, clogged rig, and uh, every time I tried to draw it from the cotton, it would, like, suck up the tiniest bit. So I ended up, like, just saying, fuck it. And I just took the what was left in the spoon and just, boop, I fucking, I fucking put it in my mouth and, and chased it down with some whatever, lick, like, drink I had. But, dude, it tasted so god-awful. It, well, was, it, it, was, turns, it turns into di- It turns into what? Diamorphine. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it goes was, back uh, to its original form. Your stomach acids break it all down. Ugh! It was a it was a tar and uh, and ice uh, cooked together, and I was just Ooh, like, that it tasted horrible. I couldn't get the aftertaste out of the back of my throat. It was. See, I later learned to do a proper goofball. You backload it instead of it. you just, you fucking crush and turn it into powder. And just put that straight in the syringe, dry, oh, and then you cook your dough, dude. and then you draw your dope to it. I did that once when I was with my ex, and she we were broken up at the time, but I went down to visit her in L.A., and she took a shard and put it right in the fucking the syringe and then uh, drew up water and would do a shake and bake, and she shook it up until it dissolved, and I, I slammed it, and it was way too much for me because I'm a super the lightweight, fu- and I just ended up puking the, the instantly. The most fucked up I've ever been off heroin. That did it. You did it that way with heroin? No, like, that's the most fucked up I've ever been yeah. off. Um, and I put, like, like, three units of speed in there. Oh, God. Like, packed down three units. And uh, it was so psychedelic. For me, it was like I instantly had this warm, super overwhelmingly warm rush, like flood over me. And then I ran to the toilet and just kept puking, kept puking. It was horrible. When I did did it really big, I've been there since that day. I've tried. Mm -hmm. And this was also the biggest drug addict friend said, you do the way you do drugs. 
this is just savage. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I didn't even think my war stories were that bad until I put up this podcast. And then people were like, yeah, they're that bad, bro. And I was like, oh, fuck. Well, I guess I have a problem. <laughs> I noticed, yeah. but like with, with when it came to ice, I had to always watch how much I did. And I always had to do less than what amount of, of, of tar I'd put in because if I ever shot up too much glass, I would get so nauseated that anytime I would try and intake fluids or, or anything, I would like always puke it back up for hours. It was horrible. See, it was so, so I was always crazy. cautious like, of that. Like when I got to the psychedelic point mm-hmm. for like five, it started off on, and then I was driving and then I like pulled over and I asked my buddy, I'm like, can you drive? I can do this. And then over the next couple hours, I got like fucked up. And then I did another shot. Oh, it was like God. just as big. Oh, no. So, I mean, I had done close to a gram of each. Oh, God. Damn. And, uh, That's a lot. I literally was like straight hosting. Like I was trying to put stuff on a shelf that didn't exist. <laughs> I I've been there. was trying to pick. I was trying to pick my iPad for when it wasn't there. Yeah. Like it was on the other side of the. Like my buddy was like Facetime his girl, and I was just like in the background, just like there, so I didn't die. Yeah. Like I was just like that idiot that's like so fucked up. He doesn't even like know what's going on. Yeah. After I'd been up for over three days, I would get weird psychosis where like if someone was talking about anything, even whether it be online or whether it be anywhere, I would think it was all about me or they were talking shit and, or they were dropping subliminals about me. Like, Oh, what the fuck? Like you guys trying to talk shit like in front of my face, but dropping subliminals or, or I would hear people talking outside of my door and think people were outside of my door talking shit. And I'd like open the door, like, like who's talking shit? <laughs> Who in this house is talking shit? And it, it would always start off like that. I never really saw shadow people that much because when it got to that point, I would realize I need to fucking take a Xanax or, or whatever, a Seroquel to, to knock myself out, to get enough sleep, to, to not have that, you know, cause at first I would be productive as fuck. And then after three days of not being able to sleep, it's when it, I would be fucking just I would just be not, I'd be dropping the ball literally. And I'd like, you know, once I starting drop, once I began started like dropping glasses and breaking glasses, cause I was just like unable to maintain. Then I knew that's like, that was like the red flag that I needed to get sleep, you know? Cause I just don't handle uppers very well like that. You know, it was just yeah, all see, bad. I like, I like see like the whole world will start like moving. And I'll like see like oh, man like bugs and stuff like that. Did you see bugs on your skin? No. Okay. Thank God. Because I've heard that's what some like you know that's always the cliche thing that would be on like you know after you know after school specials and shit you know people think there's bugs under their skin or you know and I've heard of that some people having that but um. I would just, I mean, I would just like the, the, either it would be what, whatever is cut with the, the dope or whatever, or just the fact that I was so, my tolerance was so fucked. Like it would, it would seep through my pores and it would just cause just irritation. So I'd break out really bad, you know, it was a nightmare. 
Um, it's just fucked, dude. <sighs> um, holy shit, dude. We have like almost four hours of fucking recording right now. <laughs> I was thinking it's been a long time. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm damn near almost off work at this point. <laughs> well, like, you know, the way I see it is I always try to go as long as whoever I'm talking with is feels comfortable. And when I, I can always usually tell when people start to like, you know, peter out and like kind of, because it, it like when I first started podcasting and I'd like record me and my co-hosts were, were like emotionally exhausted at the end of it because we were just like unloaded like shit, you know. But um, now I'm I've been pretty good at telling being able to tell whether who whether I or whoever I'm having on as a guest is it like starting to teeter out. But um, damn, it's getting late and I got to find. Yeah, <laughs> I, if I was at crash. home. I- well i mean you're definitely like one of our much more interesting and more are you know uh articulate our guests like you you know what the fuck you're you know you know what you're talking about like just as much or more than anyone else you know i'm also used to talking because of my own how many uh podcast episodes do you have up right now on your podcast 36 and how long have you been doing it for? When did? How long ago did you start? Um, first episode was in like October, November. Really? Yeah, I've dropped a ball lately, and I haven't done a leg episode in like a month. That's crazy because you probably started just like you started a little after me, and you have like quadruple the amount of episodes I have. Well, there was a point where I was just like putting one out every couple of days just because I was just bored and I would just talk and just fucking even whether, whether you have a guest or not, you just, you, yeah, I've gone solo once or twice. The thing is, is like, so you, what you always use the app, um, anchor for, for releasing your podcast. See, I, I really like that app a lot. Um, the one thing I've noticed is I tried to do a phone interview while someone was driving on the freeway and it came, the audio quality kind of sucked because they were, losing a Wi-Fi signal every now and then. So it just sounded like shit. But if, if you're at a stand still like area and you have like, you know, Wi-Fi or you have like a, a good internet connection around you, then like the, the audio quality for phone interviews is like amazing. Yeah. There was a time where I fucked up time and I was interviewing this, uh, this, um, author. Mm-hmm. Um, who was like a ex ex what and, uh, crackhead hooker? Oh wow! <laughs> um, and uh, I, literally, like in the midst of probably two hours, I dropped it. Dropped probably six times, and like I felt so bad because she's like this, you know, professional author lady, and like you know, she like took all this time. Mm-hmm. And it was just like unloading in the middle of these like super intense like stories. Like it would just yeah. cut out. Oh, because the audio signal cut out, huh? Yeah, and I have to message her like, um, I don't know when I got, I don't know when we stopped. <laughs> yeah. Like, How long have you been talking? <laughs> I had a friend who, um, he, uh, we uh, were recorded on uh, the whatever the Nod Squad Discord, but he he's um, currently residing in South Korea, 
and uh, he teaches um, English over there. I guess there's a lot of jobs where people, you know, go overseas and live in different areas of the world and teach English to people. And um, yeah, that for some reason the signal was just super fucked up, so he would cut out. Sometimes even like you might have even cut out a couple times on here, but then I would just ask you to repeat what you said, but. Um, it just, it's the worst when the audio signal cuts out. I'm just, I could only imagine what whoever's listening would, how frustrated it would be. That's why I'm always trying my hardest to make sure any kind of over the phone interview I have, I try to get the audio quality as up, you know, as good as possible. Cause it just treats it as a whole separate channel. That's what I love too about anchor. It just, the problem is, is whether people are down to down, are able to download the app or are willing to download the app. for me so far what's cool about anchor too is you could have people call and leave voice messages too yeah which i'm learning yeah and what i'm gonna do is i've done a few phone interviews through anchor but i'm gonna have i'm gonna um there's a way to have my current um rss feed or whatever um put through anchor and so i don't have to make an entirely new podcast because i've been trying to get it up on as many platforms as possible, you know? Anchor, I'm on like nine platforms and that's just, I'm on everything, which is like ones I've never of. So you're on iTunes, you're on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Spotify a Stitcher. Stitcher, Audio Cast, fucking... Are you on SoundCloud? I don't know if I'm on... See, I'm not currently on SoundCloud, but um, and I'm not on YouTube. But there's a reason I'm I not don't. On, I'm not on YouTube. Well, you don't want to have, uh, like an audio only podcast on yeah. YouTube because what will happen is the the way the algorithm on YouTube detects it, it'll it'll think it's spam, so you won't show up in search results. So I'm yeah. keeping my YouTube solely for, um, commentary videos where it's video and audio. And I'm leaving my podcast off YouTube. And, dude, I don't know how to get my RSS feed sent through SoundCloud because it's just giving me a fucking hard time. I think, I think to, like, do it on SoundCloud. Oh, as as your host? Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't use – I have Podbean as my host currently, so I don't know how I would switch and be able to keep my feed, like, up to date. I don't know. I'll figure it out, but – I think they do that so you have to fucking – Use SoundCloud as a host, right? Yeah. I mean, but I yeah. found out about Anchor from a Bill from a Bill Burr commercial. No way from Bill yeah. Burr's podcast. Yep, I lo- fucking love Bill Burr, dude. He's such a badass, dude. Yeah, he's one of my favorite comedians. Like he just gives zero fucks about offending people. <laughs> yeah, just tells people and to like fuck themselves. I, I halfway modeled my shit around him. As far as I'm just gonna sit here and. T- about whatever comes to my mind. And the thing is, he's always able to take different topics that a lot of people couldn't draw like like comedy out of, and he extracts comedy out of almost every topic there is, and which he, is not hard right, easy to could, do. And he can talk about anything for 20 minutes, too. Yeah, and he does a podcast where it's just him talking by himself, and most other podcasts, people can't do that. Like That's they, how mine started. I didn't get the guests until... Like, well, it was me and my buddy, mm-hmm. and then he just, like, never wanted to do it. So then I started doing episodes without him, and that's when it took into me just 
evolved into you just being solo. Yeah. See, um, I had my co-host and we, I think at first, at first we were, we didn't upload anything because uh, we didn't want our drug counselor to hear or sanction us for whatever the fuck we were talking about. And, uh, but then he, I think, uh, I think it was kind of emotionally exhausting for him and it, uh, he was early in his recovery and he, we both relapsed around the same time, but he ended up getting caught up with the, the drug court program we were in. And I somehow was able to skate by and not get caught. So then he, they, they were like just fucking with him in our, our drug court program to the point where he just was like, fuck it. I'll do. They offered him residential and he went and he was like, dude, he, he was like, I wish I had done residential way before because it's so much you know he had so much more benefits out of it but so then while he was away I still recorded with with guests and stuff but um hopefully at the and the most fucked up thing is he's about to get out of a 12 month residential and, you're going and I'm gonna go into the same one he's getting out of because well that's why I said in the me. message the other day I didn't soon you were going in i was like link me up with ryan and i'll fucking do an episode with him <laughs> oh yeah yeah i'm gonna i'd love to have him on my, you know as someone who's out yeah and he he just been through it yeah he's um the like we have this on the run episode where I, i've been meaning to upload that i haven't i've put off because the, it's oh, the one where he's like like undisclosed location shooting up. Yeah, yeah, and that one I, I have to censor out the 10 15 minute bit where he's shooting up because it's just so obvious. He's like, "Hold on, I got to do a shot." And he's like, "Oh, where's a cotton?" And you know, I'm hel- I'm narrating it like, "Oh, he's probably like doing this this." And it's just too it's just too much. I I I sent it out to a few people and even them people who don't shoot up as as their addiction, they were like triggered. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to fucking make people feel uncomfortable. You know, like the one episode I have where the guy on the phone interview who admits to shooting up Coke, some people had told me they had to turn that episode off because it was just too much. And I, I don't want to put people through that. So I, that one has to be heavily edited. I don't know if I put people through that. No one has told me anything like that. Yeah. For the most so. part, I, 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 I definitely take it the feedback that I get from people very seriously. Like, um, but I still try to stay true to like my, uh, my intention of like this being like, you know, like peeling the curtain back on, on addiction in America, you know, or whatever. Um, but I, I obviously don't want anyone who is afflicted to, to get triggered. Like, I mean, well, and that's why I like down the one, the one episode where, I was talking about a certain conspiracy theory. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking, I got straight hate. Yeah. Well, like, I got ripped up. The thing is, is like, um, and you know, I can see where people are coming from in that regard. Like it, like that, that's what happened to Alex Jones. He was like literally claiming crisis actors for, for school shootings. And it's like, you know, he, I mean, Alex Jones spouts off shit without having direct proof of, of a lot of shit. So, um, it was funny because, uh, Joey Diaz like trolled him and got Alex Jones to believe that Joe Rogan was part of C at the CIA. And he was like, <laughs> spouting it on his stupid fucking Infowars thing. And it was just so funny to See, me. Like the thing about Alex Jones, and this is what I'll tell anybody who like likes or dislikes him. Mm-hmm. And 
this is also why the government should keep him there. Is oh, he's perfect for fucking like steering people in whatever like, direction the off course of like, of like yeah, he's truth. fucking nuts and he spits a lot of bullshit. Yeah, but in between the bullshit, there's real shit. Oh yeah, like the gay frogs thing that he got memed about. You just got to be able to dis- discern what's the real shit and what's the bullshit. Well, yeah, I, I, the way I see it is challenge everything everybody says and challenge even your own belief system and, and do the fucking proper research so you can come up with the right conclusion. Like, don't take what anything I say with, uh, like yeah. at, at face value. Do your own research to come up with your own conclusion. I'm not telling people to think a certain way, but I would like, what I, if anything, I'd say challenge what everyone says and challenge what you believe as well. So that you can come with a more evolved conclusion uh, in the end and like have a better, you know, thought process or ideology or perception yeah, like of I'm your a, reality. I'm a, fucking, I'm a fucking retard. If you're going to believe everything say, then you got problems. Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely. And that's the thing is, is like I've definitely been proven wrong on certain things. And it 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 it, it uh, advanced my my fucking perception and, you know, kind of like fine-tuned it you know so it's like i'm not ever going to claim that i have all the answers i'm just fucking throwing my my fucking my thought process out there for anyone who finds it entertaining you know i'm a fucking idiot i make fucking mistakes all the time i mean i mean look at me like i I, but at least at the very least (laughs) yeah oh fuck dude you know my first itunes review was said unk needs help (laughs) and they're like um I think all that my reviews are, oh, there's, I think most of them are ones that I told people, I was like, I told my friends, I was like, give me a review. Mm-hmm. But then there's one where someone was like, my first one, I think was like, you just need to like stop and stop doing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was funny because that same review, the guy was like, I don't know how he's able to put out a podcast so fresh in his recovery. And I was just like, I mean, I'm just fucking, I just, this is the most fun I've had in recovery is doing this podcast, you know? I get more of a, I get more satisfaction out of this than I've ever gotten out of drugs, you know? Um, And the feedback I've gotten is what's fueling me to do it more. Like when I, even the first time I admitted to my relapse on episode three or whatever, people were like, you know, telling me in emails and stuff um, that, that me coming clean about my relapse on the air helped them not feel so alone in shameful in their relapse where it's like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying don't feel any shame or any guilt, but it's like, at least you're not feeling so much self-hatred that it's like paralyzing, you know, well, I, I mean, I be critical. Up, Cause I haven't but, heard from you in a while. And then I listened to your, your coming clean episode that one was and you hard. were just, be, you were beating yourself the fuck up. Yeah. So that's why I hit you up. I was like, dude, hit me up, man. Like talk about this. Um, Oh, and I appreciate that. You know, I mean, I'm definitely in a better place now. I mean, I actually meant to say something earlier, like whenever you were, we were, t- you were talking about how you reached out to dude, um, and you may have triggered him or whatever. Yeah. If you're ever fucking feeling like that, you just need to fucking talk to someone for a little while. Just fucking hit me up, man. I fucking appreciate def- that. Cause you I'm know, I'm definitely here. My, my like 
like definitely the friendships I've made via the internet um, has been a huge um, factor in, in my recovery and helped me like in more ways than even like my sponsor right now. I kind of feel bad because my sponsor, I'm my sponsor just hit two years and I'm like his first sponsee. And it's just like, I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking dysfunctional head case. So it was like, definitely not the best sponsee to have, <laughs> you know, cause I'm a fuck, I'm still, I'm still fucking figuring my shit out. But, um, uh, no, that means a lot to me. And, um, you know, I did get, I was really hard on myself because I damaged certain relationships with people that who knows if I'll ever be able to repair them. But it was, but that the thing is at the very least, um, uh, the, the losses I've gotten from that last relapse were the losses that woke, like snapped me back in to like, you know, in whatever shape to yeah, like, that made, you, that made you not just like form habit. Yeah. It woke me, it snapped me out of it and made me realize that I'm needing help beyond what I've gotten so far. So that's why I was thinking residential could be really good for me. Um, especially in a different town than I'm at. Like I literally had to turn down a really good fucking job with benefits to commit to this. So, I mean, it sucks, but it's necessary, you know, cause what, what about, what if I get this job and then I chronically relapse again and it's all fucking, you know, crumbles again, you know, it's like, what the fuck is yeah, the point see, of I, taking the job? Just know my biggest problem is I'm too functional of an addict. You are super functional as an addict. Like, like, like I get, like I get high all day, every day. Oh yeah. You, you able, you're like, you can fool a lot of people into thinking you're completely sober when you're loaded. I'm sure. Like I wouldn't be able to tell. 90% you know? of the people in my life have fucking no idea. Oh yeah. That's fucking, ins- that's amazing. And, but it's also bad. It's because a curse. It makes it so it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. And it makes it so it's like, I I would imagine it would make you put off uh, getting the treatment necessary for you to be completely off of it for long periods of time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's what it, treatment is what fucks me up. Like, I mean, just the thought of that would be fucking crazy to me because like, uh, each individual needs to kind of assess their own addiction and what level of treatment they need. You know, I, I mean, it's really up to the individual. Like they are, they're the ones who understand their addiction better than anyone, whether they want to bullshit themselves or not. Like, like I know, I know as much as I don't want to do it. Yeah. I know I should. Yeah. But right now I can't afford it and I can't afford to work for that long. Well, that's why I think the Ibogaine Treatment Center would be really yeah, that, good I mean, for you. I feel like it might kill two birds with one stone. Do you know when you're going to go? Um, I'm shooting for like April because I got to uh, I got to get, finish getting my legal shit figured out and get my yeah, passport. Definitely. Um, and then... Um, I'm trying to go to Belize because my mom lives there. So oh, wow, far out. I'm That'd either gonna do uh, I'm either gonna do Belize before or after, and just kind of do it in the same trip. 
Yeah, because there's pros and cons um, of either going to see her before or after. See, I think I want to go after because then that's what I would say. I'm put somewhere where I, where I would have to go seek it. Yeah, and you know, probably end up in some sort of sketchy third world situation to acquire it. Yeah, that and would be rough. When when instead of doing that, I could just go hang out with my. And you'd probably be in a better emotional and mental state after. Yeah, and that would be to, a you know, great interact with your mom, you know. And that would also be a, an amazing place to have to deal with it. Yeah, you know, I'm at the beach. I'm fucking in some, you know, in some beautiful beach location. Like this is the best place I could be. Definitely to deal with this. Well, it sounds like you have most of it mapped out and planned already. Yeah, see, I do at least have a, a quasi-plan. That's good. It's well, not, it's all you got to like do a, is like, stay safe in the meantime. Yeah, I just have to stay day. alive. Yeah, oh yeah, just definitely do whatever you can to like be safe. I mean, you, you, but you know, you have more street smarts than most people, so you know the things to do to like yeah, and keep like, yourself I'm, safe. Yeah, I'm not doing fucking big shots. I'm not fucking, I'm barely doing shots. Yeah, you know, every time I, whatever I would cook up, I would always piggyback half of what I cooked into a, into a second rig. Always. That was my go-to, like, safety precaution. See, I would just always do, um, I'll always smoke it first. Oh, to test it to out. See, yeah, and then I'll do a small, like, a point shot. That's a, before that's I smart. Before I do a big one. Testing it out by smoking it, like testing out its potency. I never thought of that. Like the stuff I have right now, I would almost be nervous because of how fucking clean it is. Yeah. Oh, dude. Like I'm talking, it, it doesn't even leave a, like it burns completely clean. Wow. Like I've never seen something burn this clean. Is it powder? No, it's fucking regular black tar. Just fucking... Oh. That's crazy. Because, you know, it's funny. I prefer tar over, like, powdered dope. Unless it's, like, from... Dude, it depends. Like, different states, I, I, I would get some like, different do dope. strictly... Right now, I do strictly just because of where my mental is as far as smoking it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were just to sniff it all the time, I wouldn't get everything I wanted out of it. True. And if I was doing that, then I'd have a lot better chance of dying. Fuck, dude. Because I can sit there and smoke it, and I'll be fine. But I couldn't sit there and sniff it all day. It's amazing to me because I have a friend in the in um the Facebook the dopey Facebook group still, and he was talking to me, and he was like talking to me about someone uploaded a picture of burnt foil. Yeah, that's the, that's what that's the fucking thread that I posted. You can't it die. amazes me how that post is still up for that long without someone saying it's triggering to them. Because I had a post taking down of just a, uh, I had a friend visiting California and they their niece or whatever had found a lunch pail, like a kid's lunch pail full of uh, hospital grade fentanyl, and they had taken a picture of it and sent it to me while the they had got called the cops and had them like you know pick. I it think up. I remember. I think. Yeah, and they, sure. the, someone had said that was triggering. Like a box that said fentanyl on it is more triggering than like burnt f- fucking foil. I was like, whoa. I was like, I'm surprised no one was like talking about that triggering them. But hey, and whatever. They're fucking some sensitive, whiny babies too. 
Some of them are, are of more, them are, yeah. more sensitive than others. And I, I mean, I can't judge because, you know, we all have, we all are all of everyone's, I think mainly their opinion or whatever their perception is based mostly on life experience. So what they've lived through and experienced, I can't say I know or would ever claim to know. And I think maybe their, you know, past traumas probably have been the major influence for them to feel or think the way they do. So, I mean, I try not to judge, but um, I, at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> uh, it, it just, there is always, it's definitely a, um, uh, hypocrisy of a class system of, of what is more offensive deemed, or it's like some things get a pass, some things don't get a pass. And you know, I, I respect it. And I, I just, I just go along with it. Like I, I, I think everyone there is chill. Like, I mean, even if I've had falling outs with certain people online, like, I, I mean, I'm not going to ever have any, hold any grudges against anybody, you know? And no, any, I'm not going to lie. I'm not talk shit to someone's face if I think they're a whiny baby about stuff. No, like, I mean, and the thing is, like, I'm, I'm, I have no ill will against anyone, even if I've damaged a relationship with anybody, like, I'm not going to ever have a grudge or ill will against anybody. I'm just, I mean, if I cause damages because of my addiction, then I have to accept it and try and, you know, work on myself. Like, that's the only thing I can do about it. Um, so, but I mean, I've had a lot more people in that group help me than, you know, have ever like done me dirty, you know? So, I mean, and the, the thing is like, I actually made, um, I helped create the, the dopey, uh, discord page that's up right now. Um, I just, I made, um, since I'm going to inpatient, I've made people moderators to run it because I don't, I'm not going to be able to do that shit. And, uh, they're doing a great job, you know, and, and I hope people get some sort of benefit out of it, you know? So. I think it could be cool because you could do like, if like, people were organized enough, like set up, like you could do a meeting on there. That's what I'm chat. saying. Yeah. And yeah. there's, um, you can do multiple video chats with multiple people. You can sync almost anything up to it. You can sync your Spotify and have listening parties. You can do a lot more than just really? stream. Oh yeah. Well, they, yeah. Um, because I know it's all based on gaming. So, well, I mean, originally, right yeah. Originally, yeah, yeah, but I think it goes beyond that. It, it has the potential. Discord has the potential to go beyond way farther than gaming. I mean, we're recording a podcast through Discord right now. Yeah. I think oh, it's so. great for having multiple people. If I wanted to have multiple people on and who they're all in different locations, we could record a podcast and have them all come to the so podcast channel. Like weird, weird triggers and stuff. Uh-huh. Guess what convention I'm fucking where, um, is going on at my convention center right now? What's What's that? The pain medicine convention. No way. What kind so of like, shit, like presentations do they have there? I mean, uh, the, I'll go read one of the Definitely board. opioid um, prescriptions. Oh, I mean, if I go walk around the phone, like, like I, I, I was looking at the new Roxy's that are coming out. No way. You got to take pictures of some of these booths for me. I'm so um, curious. Yeah. Um, I just find it I'll fascinating. I can get in there tomorrow night and do that. We just unlocked all the doors. I can't oh, for sure. But yeah, I can. I mean, but, I, I, it doesn't trigger me, but I'm just super fascinated in like the new fucking. Well, I wish I could go to, come out. I wish I could go to some of these talks. Yeah, for real. Like, I'd be super fascinated in what they're saying or claiming. Like the ones that are, the ones that are going on in this hall. 
this week are like, uh, like there's a few that were patient-centered prescription opioid tapering recipes for success in practice settings. Um, oh my God. Chronic pain physician scenarios. Wow. Um, oh, damn. I just wish I had known Pain this. medicine in the crosshairs of the government. Whoa. Um, These are fucking there's heavy like, topics. There's like cannabis-related ones. Really? Um, there's ones that are like uh, finding new alter- new alternatives other than... Uh, Do you think Big Pharma is going to start to go after more cannabis type of prescriptions? Yes. Yes. Because they had cannabinol, which was like synthetic prescription yeah weed. and they just they just approved a new synthetic have um, you ever tried that cannabinol that they had yeah i've done um i tried marinol how was it don't do shit how is it in comparison to actual weed it doesn't do shit it doesn't do shit no i didn't feel anything oh wow um so here's one uh, satellite symposium opioid therapy insights a holistic yeah. approach to managing patients Wow. Um, the long-lasting impact of a short convention about opioid overdose risk. Oh, God. And, I mean, this is just a very select few. I'm just, like, looking at this giant board and just, you know. Oh, I had no uh, idea this is what you were fucking doing. I had, no, I had no idea this even existed until, this, until like, I looked up cu- upcoming events a few weeks ago. Jesus. And um, it said pain pain medicine convention or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, American association or something. And I mean, looking at these like, like speaker boards and stuff, mm-hmm. it's all centered around opium. Like here's one wow. pain debate, pain debate, CRGP drugs, ketamine and opioids for back pain. Um, you know what I've heard like a lot is people with, uh, who have children, they're just in shock about how, easily their children can get prescribed yeah. like fent like light like you know low dose fentanyl for okay here's one that i'll do cutting edge science and clinical practice bufenufrin naloxin for pain and opioid use disorder oh my god That's and i mean essentially ridiculous. what most of these boards are telling me there's nothing else besides opiates that's crazy too, because you know after the whole uh, uh, pain management center thing in Florida, where people were doctor shopping, you would think doctors would be terrified to prescribe any kind they, of they narcotic. Are. So, like, what they're they're having speaker conventions about strategizing ways to like to I don't get know, away get a, from it is kind of what it seems like. They just busted a doctor here in in my town, and she was like old, like an old lady who was like known as like the doctor to go to because she was more loose with, with writing scripts. That, 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 that Denver doctor got popped a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. They, this one here was called Dr. Reese and Dr. Reese was like this kind old lady who would prescribe you, you know, like light pain pills, like Vicodin or whatever, but she'd also prescribe people Suboxone, prescribe people, uh, what was it? Um, uh, ADD meds, like Adderall and stuff. Like she prescribed a lot of things that, I mean, most doctors were, you know, it'd be hard to get a script from. And uh, she got popped. Everything here is about opiate use. I mean, I looked at the, I saw the new morphine sulfate. I saw the new Roxy's. Like they're talking about the new binding, the new binding agent that fucking are abuse proof, you know? Yeah. But 
they're still not prescribing them hardly at all. That's crazy. I mean, it's a billion dollar industry. Big Pharma is going to find a way to still profit from it. Somehow. It's so hard to get them anymore, though. Oh, so hard. I don't really know anyone gets them that used to. Yeah. Fuck. And you know what I was thinking earlier is like they make it such a pain in the ass and so many hoops you have to jump to just to get these prescriptions. If you even get written a prescription, it's like most people would just go. It'd be so much easier just to go to a fucking dope house or dope man and get street equivalent drugs um, that do the same shit. You know, see, what I see like because I'm getting ready to go to a doctor and ask for morphine or fentanyl. Mm-hmm. I had my one buddy who used to work for the state, he's able to run names through all the big databases. Okay. I had him run my to see if I've ever been flagged for pill-seeking behavior. Uh-huh. I haven't. Oh, yeah, because there is a database of people who yeah. were doctor shopping, so that were like yep. on a watch list by doctors, I guess. Yep, and I thought I would be there. I've definitely... I used to fucking doctor shop for Xanax. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm not. I'm not. I think. So, I think they went after a lot of people in Florida because after that whole pain management center got, they got it. You know, the lid was you know blown up wide open on that and exposed in those document. I think. I think the documentary was OxyContin Express. They showed how many people were driving from out of state to to get scripts there. I think that's when a crackdown went on. You know, during the Obama administration, um, that's when there was laws passed that, um, fuck, dude, I saw it on 60 Minutes. Basically, big, like these um, three, the three major pharmaceutical distributors in uh, America, they ended up hiring um, DEA defense attorneys over as. Um, as attorneys for big pharma because they knew all the ins and outs of the, the legislations for, um, you know, the DEA had on controlling, you know, um, uh, I guess shipments of pharmaceutical drugs. So basically before, if there was a question, questionably large amount of uh, narcotic pain prescriptions going to a certain location, they would uh, put a hold on it until it could get investigated you know, and um, they hired DEA defense attorneys to pass legis- to fight and get legislation passed so that there w- could they could lift that and l- that law so they could have unlimited amounts of pain prescriptions t- shipped to various locations without it ever being you know halted. You know what I'm saying? That was fucking crazy to me. You know, basically causing more of a of a you know opioid epidemic. In, in as a result. Uh, I mean, this whole thing is like, as much as people don't want to admit it, even though you know, it's fucking supported by big pharma and the government. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and the privatized prison industrial complex, it's a, such an easy way to, to, to make money off of extorting addicts as, and, you know, as criminals and making money off of keeping their jail cells full. It's just blatantly obvious. I mean, Anyone who wants to look at look at any of their fucking you know statistics or data, like I mean, these people who own like corrections corporations of America, they fucking aren't a government operated like organization. They're a 
corporation just like Pepsi or fucking they're, not even, they're barely even regulated. Oh yeah. And they're, they're fucking, they have like any other corporation, their end goal is to make more money each year than before. And, and how they do they make money? Is, money yeah. Each prisoner. Yeah. They're, and it's like the most blatant form of slavery we have in America is basically, um, you know, is, is, locking people up and they have lobbyists just like anyone else who's trying to get politicians to pass stricter laws to make it easier to break the law and get sent to jail. You know, it's crazy. I mean, have you noticed there would be more like, uh, people uploading, um, cell phone footage of, of cops harass, harassing people. And then, you know, any little bit of attitude is like, Oh, resisting or felony of resisting arrest. You know, whereas before cops used to like let people off with warnings and stuff, cops have quotas by these privatized prisons to arrest a certain amount of people, regardless of the fluctuation of crime rates. I was once at a Starbucks once, Mm -hmm. and uh, the cops were having there is a $50 gift card Mm -hmm. uh, for the officer who got the most DUIs that night. Oh, wow. Talk about it. And if your arrests quota isn't up to par, they're going to definitely get a review by the fucking, you know, commanding chief. You know that's what's going on. They don't call it a quota per se, but they have a different, you know, terminology for it. But it's a quota. It's a it's a required amount of arrests per certain amount of citation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, I mean, DUIs are their fucking moneymaker, you know? I mean... And they're not the only ones making money. I mean, it's the bonds, the bail bonds companies. It's the fucking duh, public defenders. It's the, uh, the drug and uh, DUI programs and classes. They're probation all getting department. a little, yeah, probation <laughs> department. They're all getting a little bit of cut. Even the commissary fucking companies that quadruple the price of a bag of chips because you're in jail. Oh, man, dude. It's fucking crazy. It blows my mind how... Most people don't think about this, but we incarcerate more people in America than any other liberal democracy combined. Oh, yeah. Like, we we practically have more jails and prisons than colleges in this fucking country. It's like, how does, I mean, what kind of incentive does that show you by our fucking political structure? Like, what the fuck, dude? We'd rather incarcerate. Oh, yeah. Oh, for fuck, yeah, they would. And they would much rather, you know... Um, find a way to criminal. I mean, dude, even back in the sixties, they had fucking, they had undercover agents posing as hippies to like infiltrate, uh, political protest groups, you know, like, dude, you know, what's crazier is, uh, more recently there, like there was a protest in Los Angeles and there was undercover cops posed and dressed as protesters, um, that were, uh, infiltrating protests and then inciting, um, violent no, acts getting them, fired, getting them fired up and shit or they would just you know destroy enough public property to uh, ha- give the police um, reasonable excuse to infl- you know to break it up and to make arrests and the reason they noticed the protesters noticed it because they all had the same like military style boots on that were like police issue, same as police issue boots. And they singled them out and they uh, point, the protesters pointed to them out and said, this is not what we're about. We're not about violence or breaking the law. We're just here to, uh, um, you know, exercise our right to free speech and protest. 
which is our our constitutional right. And then they singled them out and they're like, what are you doing? You guys, they didn't even call them cops. They just singled them out and, um, were shunning them. And they, I mean, you could tell they were after that. They, they looked like cops just scared shitless and they ended up leaving. But it's like, dude, it's totally fucking happens, dude. Cops undercover as protesters to, to break up any kind of, you know, public, you know, outcry against our political, you know, structures, you know, sh- fucking shit show. So I don't know, dude. It just, ugh. sometimes oh, the, state, I, the state, the state of our country is not a positive one. Oh no, we're definitely in a police state. Uh, as of now getting, getting worse and worse. And that's the one reason I'm trying to treat my addiction and get past it is because it's such an easy way for people to, for, for police to exploit and use as a way to, to label me a criminal. Even if I hadn't done any like violent crime or hadn't, you know, even if I earned the money in a legitimate job to buy the drugs I'm addicted to, it's an easy way for them to label me a criminal and uh, used for their whole little fucking, you know, whatever. Their this whole fucking cash grab. I mean, uh, a shit ton of these uh, of the music industry labeled major music industry labels have heavy stocks invested into prison, you know, uh, prison like industrial stocks. In 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 regards, and some of them I've even heard some rappers say, yeah, you know, our label wants us to put out certain amount of songs about drugs, certain amount of songs about. Uh, you know, committing crimes. They they make us have certain themes that wouldn't in our music. Me. I mean, ugh, yeah, it's fucking. I don't know. So it's like at this point, like with our you know the whole new rap scene of SoundCloud rappers, and anyway, it's like is it life imitating art or art imitating life or who knows? I don't fucking I don't know. But God damn it, I gotta fucking I gotta get going because I've I've ranted for. We've been on for four and a half hours. Yeah, I was gonna say I was actually just thinking. Uh, I know last time I fucking talked to someone straight for fucking four or five hours. This is definitely one of my longest podcasts. But I mean, we've always sh- shat the shit. Like, pretty- we've always been really fucking fluid too. There's like hardly ever like, silences or. That's what. Yeah, that's what I definitely, and especially about this recording, I love is like we definitely had a good flow. I'm definitely yeah. impressed by this one. I might have to split uh, yeah. this up into two. I was, I was just going to say, you might have to chop this up a little. Yeah, I don't think people are going to have the attention span for a four and a half hour <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But um, before you go, is there anything you want to plug? You want to plug your podcast one more time to anyone listening? Um, or? Yeah, well, we'll throw my name in. If you enjoy what I have to say and want to listen to the episodes of mine we spoke of, you know, um, of a relapse and drug addict available on any platform as we and uh you see, it's you yeah. so once again it's thoughts of a relapsing drug addict the podcast yep. is available on pretty much every platform every that's platform out there except soundcloud except soundcloud um yep. check it out it's i mean i i enjoy there's it. a couple episodes i believe three there's so and i mean trigger warning obviously but yeah i mean it's, it's not, not for the it's not for the faint of heart it's not for that's the easily exactly triggered. the word i was <laughs> really nice yeah it's definitely, definitely one of the not, it's a, yeah it's a little raw it's one of the rawest podcasts out there but that i mean that's not a bad thing like that actually i never even thought about that it really might actually be one of the yeah i, I think it might even be, i think it's a notch uh, rawer than even 
nod squad. I mean, like you lay it out, you lay it out there, man. But I, I mean, my hat's off to you. Like, like that's, I, I'm impressed. Like, you know, um, really thought about it like that. No, it's, I mean, I, I definitely think people should check it out. I mean, um, yeah, if you're curious to see both sides of the fucking, the coin, the good, the bad, the ugly, the fucking nothingness, it's all there. Yeah. I got crackhead, oh, yeah. I got ex-crackhead hookers turned authors. <laughs> I have people in recovery. I have people out of recovery. People in the, it, still in the, currently in the depths of their addiction. Yeah. I, That's what I love about it. And see, I think everyone's voice matters, whether you're in recovery oh, or whether you're struggling, like everyone's voice matters, voice. you know? Like shine light on all of it, you know? So, yeah. Um, with that, man, I'm going to leave you to it. Uh, thank you again right, for man. coming on, dude. I'm, I know it was short notice, but I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to do some shit no, this that, weekend. That was great. I mean, that made it work. I was going to try not to do any recordings, but I mean, I was just like, fuck it, dude. It's like one yeah. distraction I needed. So I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, um, yeah, man, any, any time, you know, whether so or not, give me a bus. All right. For and sure. Also, um, let me know whenever you uh, know when you're going in so that uh, we can oh, chat definitely. then. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely chat um, in the, you know, in the mess, in the DMs, I guess is what they call it. Kids All right, call man, it I'll see you later. All right, you yeah, have a good night. I'll talk to you later, brother. Right, later. Peace.